Welcome Vecta. It's June 30th, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode 30, and we're on the 30th. That's kind of convenient. Um, we are recording a little earlier than we normally do. Uh, it's Thursday, um, but 4th of July weekend's coming up, and we planned ahead this time, unlike <laughs> Father's Day. Uh, <laughs> so... Like, oh, tom- yeah, every other, it's, it's like July. What should we do tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. None of us are going to be here. I guess we'll skip it. Um, but yeah, it's Thursday. Uh, these notes were were not done, but but a lot closer to done than most are prior to a show. So uh, we were able to continue on with our exotic primaries. Uh, we've got a few corrections from the last episode. The drop's going to go over here in just a second. But uh, I wanted to, I just, I'm just going to make one announcement this because this show is going to be, I think, a doozy. I don't want to get too tangled up here early. Um, but before I do that, I've got with me tonight, Drop Slash, what's up? Not too much, not too much. It's, it feels so strange to be doing another show so quickly. Strange, but awesome. This show is going to be fantastic. I'm so looking forward to it. Yep, absolutely. And then we have... Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't even read these names. <laughs> Handsome Witch Dragon, what's going on? Oh, it's going good. Uh, I've been doing the the Iron Banner grind. It's been fun. I've I've discovered nice. the new um in my opinion uh top subclass in the game and that is Golden Gun Gunslinger. It's always been good and kind of underrated, but I think it's actually better now than it was before. I always really? even without yeah. Yeah, you can without uh, sticky trip mines and cause, and headshot well, if knives. If you think back at the most annoying thing about Golden Gun, at least for me, it was if someone ran around the corner with Nova Bomb and I shot him with the Golden Gun, it would sliver him. If someone charged at me with Fist of Havoc and I shot him mid super, it would sliver him. And it couldn't kill those. And even uh, some Sunsingers, like if they had a if they got a melee shield while they were in Sunsinger and I shot him, it would sliver him. Now, with the Gunslinger buff, it kills everything. I think there's one instance where if a striker has the, there was the Helm of Inmost Light with max armor with a chest piece that gets, like, there's, and gets, like, an overshield with a bubble or something, you can't kill him. But that's, like, the only situation. Every other, like, I don't know how many times I've had a guy Nova Bomb, mid-Nova Bomb, I just shoot him with my golden gun and he's gone. Same thing with strikers. And I... That actually changes so much that it's like I never even realized how many times I was in those situations. Nice. Yeah, right when the buff <laughs> dropped, uh, my brother, for some reason, hadn't done the story missions on one of his characters. So we decided to play through every story mission, nice. and I nighthawked every <laughs> boss to see if I could one-hit KO it. And it was so funny. Gate Lord, one hit KO. Uh, the Crota Crystal, one hit <laughs> KO. Like everything in the game is now a Nighthawk, like ready, one hit knockout. Mm. It's awesome. So cool. Well, and the guy who does not have anything to complain about this week of, about Game of Thrones, <laughs> Gabble Ratchet and Clank. What's up, man? I, I was absolutely going to say the thing that's weird about today is not that it's Thursday, it's that I didn't just watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. I agree. You know what does feel right? How good your voice sounds. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible recurring joke. <laughs> to you. But it's mine. <laughs> yeah. 
And apparently, I am Clovis X-Ray. So let's get this thing started. Um, well, you didn't say dress. Last week, Doctor OP slash. At least that's how I read it. <laughs> yep, Doctor OP slash. Nice. <laughs> I didn't even honestly <laughs> notice that. I was like, Drop's the only one without a name. <laughs> he is pretty OP with the slashes. That's right. All right. Uh, last week we had somebody, well, we mentioned somebody that gave us our second one-star rating. And here's what he had to say when we, I guess, called him out on it. Uh, he sent us an email. And actually, did he, did he get a hold of us on Twitter? I don't know. I don't think it... No, it didn't. He sent us an email, and he said, Hi, it's me, the one-star guy. Can verify if wanted. (laughs) I've since changed the review to five-star review, and the original review was just to see if the review would be featured in the show. He obviously was talking about the review. Um, My exotic story, while not being mine necessarily... Oh, and he included the request we had for exotic stories to include here. So... um, it's not his story, it's his girlfriend's. And him and his girlfriend play together regularly, and during year one, she completed each bounty nearly daily from December until she took a hiatus in the summer. That whole time, she did not get a single exotic missive bounty. Oh. <laughs> wow. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Because I remember having, you know, one or two active at the same time, like, constantly. Mm-hmm. I think towards the end of year one, we were just deleting them because they were taking up extra spaces that we didn't have for real bounties. So you only had how many plan C's does a guy need? You could only hold six bounties, wasn't it, in the beginning? Yeah. And so I was like, I don't want three exotics because those take up like a week, sometimes to grind, and I want to get my other ones done. (laughs) Yeah. So so he so I had to go check, and actually after we got the email and I checked, the review wasn't changed in iTunes, and I was going to have some words, but. I guess it just took a while for him to update because it did get updated. (laughs) And the new review on iTunes reads as follows. Let's be honest. I only gave it one star to see if you'd keep your word and include it in the show. We're not doing that anymore, by the way. We're not reading one-star reviews anymore. (laughs) The amount of game information this community has can largely be attributed to the ghost stories. Two ghost stories, not the ghost stories. Two ghost stories. Thank you for the great content. Well, when does the... You still never told me how to say your name. Thank you for changing that, and we held to our word. We read the read your comment. <laughs> Thanks, and that's all I got. I'm not going to talk about anything else because we got too much stuff to go through. Dropslash has a few uh, corrections from the last week's episode <clears throat> that, I don't know, was it stuff that we missed or stuff that other people corrected us on? Uh, I think it's just some stuff that people corrected us on. So I had folks telling me that, uh, Zalo Supercell is not Zalo. That's a soft J sound, so it's actually Zalo Supercell. So, but from now on, I'm gonna just call it Zalo Supercell. Is it from the block? Uh, it is. Uh, I will. I will admit to being a complete idiot and thinking that the arc inducer on the front of the Supercell was its mag. It's not. So sorry for that. Uh, somebody asked if I meant to say murder when I was reading the flavor text for Bad Juju, and the answer is yes. Uh, Bad Juju's flavor text was changed to maintain the T for T rating, uh, similar to what happened with Red Death. It now says end all of existence rather than murder all existence, but I kept the year one version in there because it sounds better. 
Uh, Knights Moraine from our fan chat pointed out that one of the reasons why Suros was so powerful and Vanilla was because the glass half full perk was much, much stronger before the 1.1.1 patch. Uh, so the focus fire, but you get said, eh, he said you get about 15 rounds with focus fire uh, and you can melt people with that. Yeah. If, if I remember correctly, it was four with the, if you had the glass half full perk, it was four headshots or five body shots was a kill. With an auto rifle, nice. which is just insane. <laughs> uh, somebody took issue with my explanation of the Monte Carlo method. <laughs> uh, and I will admit that I, I made it sound more random than it is. Than it is. Uh, so in the Monte Carlo method, potential solutions used when the method is employed are all very deliberately chosen, and they're usually iterative of one another. It's not just, you know, random things thrown at the wall. So that's Monte Carlo method. Uh, bayonets, I forgot to mention Touch of Malice, uh, but we're going to talk about Touch of Malice today anyway, so that doesn't matter. Uh, and we have one more exotic story, but I'm not going to read it. Dragon, you plugged it in there. You can read it. All right. This is from uh, Keenan Moon. And it was, uh, when I first started playing Destiny during House of Wolves, my friend showed me a weapon he thought was perfect for me, Red Death. During the remainder of year one and most of year two, I ground and searched for this weapon until it was the only RNG exotic primary I had left because hard light was everywhere. I hate hard light. I'm kidding. I searched until, I, or until finally Zer sold it. Now I only take it off for the raid and to use my Hawksaw in the Crucible. Anyway, I love the show and hope to get into the fan chat. So you've, nice. you've been invited if you haven't checked your email yet. So. <laughs> yeah. awesome. Red I hate No Land Beyond. <laughs> I'll tell you why later, but I hate it. <laughs> Was that the one that you got three times during Crota's End? In yeah, one week that, I got four of those from that Crota. Was, that was oh, Dragon's man. Breath for me. Like I would get it from the exotic, I got it from the exotic chest. I got it from the, uh, um, and then I got a That's double drop on uh, Crota. <laughs> yeah, I did a, I did Crota on a Monday, uh, and got one from Crota. It, they all dropped from Crota at the end because we like waited around. That was when, when the whole thing was, oh, if you wait until it kicks you to orbit, you have a better <laughs> chance at getting exotic, which is oh, obviously just showed garbage. You <laughs> But people did that anyway, and I was I was one of them that just hung out with the group that did it. Yeah. So every time. But anyway, I did that. Then reset came, and I did it three more times that week, and I got the land beyond every time. <laughs> Amazing. It was it was awful. Maybe at the end of all the exotics, we'll do we'll tag some notes at the end of the show of all the ridiculous methods people used to use to try and get exotics to drop. <laughs> Don't open and the and people wonder. Chest. People wonder why I have ninety six exotic shards. <laughs> So, all right, let's get going. Exotic primaries, and what are we going to do? We have, what, hand cannons and scout rifles? Scout rifles. Scout rifles, all right. Let's start with scout rifles. Which scout rifle? Let's start with probably one of the most popular scout rifles, the the most popular scout rifle rifle ever. Mita multi-tool. So we covered Mita in the bungee lore episode a little bit, but let's, let's dive into... The Mita today. Well, you got a big note here. Yeah, yeah. I can add that in. We can go through some of the stuff for it first. Okay. Just kind of... So, flavor text is select application, ballistic engagement, entrenching tool, avionics trawl, troll smasher, stellar sextant. List continues. Uh, 
and then the grimoire is few weapons are balanced this precisely. Once you get the feel for the multi-tool, it will sit weightlessly in your hand. Fire it feels less like an action and more like an extension of your will. I want to go on record and saying that's probably the most accurate grimoire yeah. entry for anything <laughs> ever. Uh, and I just have some notes here. So an entrenching tool uh, is those one of those collapsible spades you always see, those military and survivalist ones. Uh, avionics trawl isn't a real thing, uh, but you can kind of infer the meaning. So avionics are electronics uh, normally applied to aviation or electronic equipment that's found in an aircraft. It's literally the combination of the words aviation, electronics, Uh and a trawl is usually used to refer to a fishing net, but it also means to sift through as part of a search. So it can apparently MITA can function as an a way to search for avionics, which would make sense in post-collapse world. Take it out to the moth yards. Mm -hmm. uh, for Troll Smasher, I only have a YouTube link that I'm going to put in the show notes. Uh, there was a gentleman... It must be almost a year ago, who made a theoretical interface video from Mita for what it could have been, and it's a really awesome video. Uh, so, so it's not so it's not referring to all those kids in PvP that <laughs> all the trolls like tr <laughs> like teabag you when they die. It could be. It, I mean, it's especially now. Well, maybe not now because it it hit a bit of a nerf, and we'll talk about that. But and Mita was the gun. It, you could. I mean, you could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with even snipers with Mita. It's that good. Mm -hmm. so. so, yeah, if somebody's trolling you, troll them back with Mita. Uh, and Stellar Sextant. Uh, stellar just meaning ex uh, yeah, exceptional. And Sextant, an instrument with a graduated arc of 60 degrees and a sighting mechanism used for measuring the angular distances between objects and especially for taking altitudes in navigation. So playing a bit to the the compass that exists there. Uh, it's worth knowing that a lot of these are nautical references. So, and that's nautical not really, or or avionic. Or, or, well, or avionic, trawl is trawl is generally considered a nautical term. Uh, avionics is not. Right, but and sextant is something that they used on ships, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but these all make sense when we talk about maybe a little bit of the lore here that. If you're talking about sort of the sand oceans of Mars, all these applications make sense. Yeah, does everybody remember that like two week period where someone convinced all of the internet that the little compass on Mida would actually lead you to treasure chests and patrol? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so <clears throat> the perk on Mida multi tool is this weapon boosts speed and fires on a hair trigger. Uh, and it has a hidden perk, which is high caliber rounds, but uh, that no those were actually added during the exotic tuning update for the Dark Below, but they have been nerfed, which is sad. See, I never used, I didn't use Mida very much early on in PvP. I uh, I was hand cannons and, and uh, other scout rifles, but I used it more when... Uh, when Rift came out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, that oh. thing makes you so fast. Blade Dancer with the run speed perk and uh -huh. Mida. Jeez. Yep, it was, it was 
Uh, I remember so many times when I was with a team that would say, slow down, slow down. It's like, uh, no, I can't. I, I can't slow down. All right, sorry. Uh, so, what else we got? What, this one has like a hidden perk, right? Yeah, the high caliber rounds. We just talked about that. Did you say that one? Yeah. I thought you just were talking about the hair trigger. Nope. Nope, that's the regular. So uh, it's designed by Frank Capizzuto. Uh I love the look of Mita. I think it's a, a design that all scout rifles should strive to. There's no foundry on Mita. Uh, and that could be because of the notes we're going to talk about. So my first note here is that Mita is widely regarded as one of the most balanced and exotic feeling weapons in the game. It's considered to be one of the best scout rifles in the game. It is a true scout's rifle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of my favorite weapons in the game. Um, like in year one, you know, if you if you were playing competitively, you didn't really play unless you were using Thorn or Last Word. But like there was just something about using Mita, and that was. Part of it was because those two guns were so good in year one. Killing someone with Mida, like, like kind of like what you were talking about, Dexter, it was like a troll smasher. It was like, ha-ha. <laughs> but it was like, it, it makes you a, a, such a better player without necessarily being the better, the best weapon, which is what I, like, yeah. what I love about it. Like, it makes you faster. You can fire it faster. You can be more agile. You get the, the third, um, third eye perk on there as well, so you have your radars mm -hmm. always on and... So it's just an awesome, awesome weapon. And then, yeah, I, I think it's always been a great weapon, but then there's always been, it's never been the best weapon. There's always other weapons that are better. But, yeah. It's well, it took a while. I mean, scouts didn't really have a place in the early Crucible meta. Mm -hmm. And it was dominated by hand cannons. Yeah. Uh, well, even like in, and I, then even earlier auto rifles. Yeah. Like all through the House of Wolves, like you could, got guys like, uh, like the Crucible radio guys, they'd be using Mida. Um, like KJ Hovey, True Vanguard, and they'd be they'd do trials tickets, and, you know, of course go perfect nine and zero using Mita and sidearms before sidearms were even good. But but yeah. So so before we go too much further, I want to make a couple comments just about scout rifles in general because I got into a very pretty good uh, conversation in our Slack chat um, about the whole uh, bullpup definition. And so uh, I, I think that all the scout rifles we're going to talk about are all the kind of, by definition, considered bullpups also because that action is behind the trigger. But if you look, if you look at a scout rifle, I still have not been able to figure out how the ammunition, ammunition, <laughs> ammunition is fed from that magazine that clips in underneath the, the grip. In a gun like Mita, it makes no sense. It doesn't. I can't. I cannot figure out. The only way is if the 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 rounds go through behind the grip up to the chamber in which case there's a really 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 long distance that it has to feed that chamber that that yeah. round into the chamber but on the Midas specifically there's like these what look like leather straps around where the bolt comes back mm -hmm. which makes no sense either because <laughs> it would definitely impair its ability to function so anyway I, so if anyone has any any schematics or any any like internal workings of what they think this thing would look like, because I looked for them and I couldn't find anything, but it just does not make make sense to me how the rounds make it from that magazine into the chamber. Yeah, every time I reload my hung jury, I'm like, how does how does this even work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, all right, that's all, that's all I got to say about that. But, but yeah, they're they're a, a bull bullpup class uh, gun. Yeah. And magazines are stupid. As of now, <laughs> I hope someone corrects me because I really would love to understand. My my dad's a, a gunsmith, and so, you know, seeing the internal mechanisms of, of guns has been in my life for a long time, and it always, I always loved seeing how things worked. So. Nice. <clears throat> all right. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I'd love to know. It's ridiculous. I also, where do you keep all those magazines? Yeah, they're huge, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. As we mentioned uh, in the Bungie Lore episode, the MITA in MITA Multitool, uh, a reference to the Martian Interplanetary Defense Alliance from Marathon. Uh, the history of MITA is found in a terminal in the Marathon mission, The Rose. Uh, I read this on that episode, but I'll read it again here real quick. The MITA coup was afterwards criticized for its short-sightedness. In an organization that was notorious for its long-ranging politics and politicking, the coup was very short-lived. MITA never seriously accounted for the UEG's overwhelming superiority in ground forces and warships. In fact, they never attempted to take over the Marathon, which was nearing completion, and would have made a very powerful weapon. The Marathon's massive size made it invulnerable to most normal space attacks, but would, would have made a very stable weapons platform. After the failed coup, the leaders of MITA were executed for their crimes, and the political organization was banned in all forms. The organization has survived as an underground terrorist organization and remains active to this day. In its underground state, it fosters terrorism throughout Seoul. And due to its spectacular funding and excellent personnel, it has grown to be one of the most feared terrorist groups active anywhere in Seoul. So it is explicitly tied to to Mars, the politics of Mars, and the creation of the Marathon from Marathon, and that is the history of MITA in MITA Multitool. So, some other short notes here. Uh, it has one of the most unique sounds in the game. Like, you can be anywhere in the battlefield, and when you hear that, the clack noise that, that MITA makes, you, you know what it is. Uh, the gun recently saw a meteoric rise in popularity after the year two version was sold by Zer, so much so that it's had to have its high caliber rounds nerfed because people are complaining that it's OP, <laughs> which it's not. It's just really well balanced. Yep. Uh, and the last one here, which was already mentioned, uh, people have long thought that Midas compass points to some kind of secret, including treasure chests, and then further including the infamous vault of glass sixth chest. <laughs> Uh, and that is the MITA multi-tool. And for what it's worth, it was the only year one exotic scout rifle. Yeah. Well, maybe well, not technically. So we'll do the only other one that was technically year one. Jump way down in the bottom here. Uh, and that is the fate of all fools. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> a wise man knows his fate. The fool merely finds it. Grimoire reads, The weapon gathers data on the target from the impact and spall of solid body shots, setting up a devastating final hit. Uh, the word spall there just means to break into smaller pieces. Uh, its signature perk, the fate of all fools, chain body shots to gain bonus damage on your next precision shot and return ammo to the mag. So the first part of that became the perk Headseeker uh, in year two. The quest to get this gun? There is no quest. Uh, this gun 
the reason why you've never seen it probably on anybody ever <laughs> is it's unobtainable by any player in the game and it only exists in the hands of a single guardian trifecta zero one uh, if you don't know that story it was a special gift from bungie to trifecta uh, after he had a series of brain surgeries and his doctors recommended destiny as a form of physical therapy i will link the entire story in the show notes uh and it's totally worth reading mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a cool one, and they should totally update it to year two and then three for, for that guy. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned this also in the Bungie Lore episode, that the fate of all fools is most likely a reference to Marathon Durandal. After defeating Tycho over Luahan's moon, uh, Durandal uses the ship's weapons to carve a massive message onto the surface. Uh, Fatum Lustrum Soltorum, which is Latin for the just fate of all fools. And thanks to uh, Craig Hardgrove, Hardgrove uh, because back when we were talking about this, we had our, our episode, and our, our Bungie episode, and uh, we talked about Marathon on Twitter. He uh, threw a link up where you could download all the Marathon games for free, and oh man, I downloaded it immediately, and whenever I don't have internet connection, like when I go down to the lake or something, I have that to play, and so much fun. It's such a, it's it's still a, a great game to play, so go check that out if, you, if you're interested. Mm -hmm. And whenever you see, like, like when I got to the, the map, the rose that you mentioned before for mm -hmm. the, during the Mida, it, it was just like, oh man, I gotta look for other clues. You know, I was, I was, <laughs> I was lore seeking there for Destiny stuff, which I knew wouldn't be there, but it was just like, man, I was trying to make connections myself, and it was, it was so much fun. Yeah. And even on that note, if you uh, like to play games on your phone, uh, one of the guys on our fan chat, I'm blanking on who it was right now, but he pointed me to where you can actually install Marathon, Marathon 2, and Marathon Infinity on your iPhone. I'm not sure if it's for, available for Android, but they're free apps. You just download them, and they're not big files at all. Like I have nice. all three on mine. And yeah, it's pretty fun. All right. Let's get two of these shorter year two ones out of the way before we dive into the <laughs> uh, two of our larger ones. Yeah, and Fate of All Fools was designed by the same guy who designed uh, Stranger's Rifle, right? Yes. Uh, was it Ryan Demita? Yes. Do we know um, what it actually looks like in game? I know all the like tabs or thumbnails for it was the same... It, it looks the like same. the stranger's rifle, but it, it looks like the stranger's rifle, but it's a scout okay. rifle, not a pulse rifle. Okay. So that's what it, it is in game too. Okay. Yes, I wasn't sure if that was just them kind of hiding its identity or, or what. So cool. And yeah, there's. A, I've actually found a picture of the guy holding it. Nice, sweet. So, and as long as we're talking about the fate of all fools, let's talk about its actual incarnation that we can get in the game, uh, and that would be the Jade Rabbit. So the flavor text reads, what kind of harebrained scheme have you gotten have you got in mind this time? The grimoire reads, like many weapons of the Dark Age, the Jade Rabbit was created from hastily reassembled and often poorly understood Golden Age technology. In this case, kinetic low atmosphere propulsion systems in use on Luna settlements. Even the weapon's casing is cut from the plasteel bulwarks of the first light installation. The significance of the markings, uh, Jade Rabbit, are unfortunately lost to history. No, they're not. 
A couple things I'm going to put about this grimoire. Uh, Dark Age was never an official term in Destiny. Scoob and I used it on the timeline because it made sense, but here it makes an official appearance. Nice. Uh, they, they read your uh, timeline and threw it in there. I hope so. <laughs> uh, kinetic low atmosphere propulsion systems. This. So my note is, wouldn't bullets technically travel faster in low atmospheres because there's no wind and less gravity on the moon? <laughs> maybe. So, I don't know, maybe you need some sort of system to account for that. Like, your your bullet will have very little drop-off. Well, there's no friction. Yeah. Uh, and then, if the word plasteel sounds familiar to you, it's probably because you're probably a year one titan. Uh, that was the armor thing. upgrade. Yeah, that was the armor upgrade material for Titans back in the day. I hate that as much as I do know Lambion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so for any year two Guardians, it used to be a specific armor material for each class. So you can just have armor materials that you could go back and forth. You had Titan, plasteel plating. You had, uh, what was the Warlock? Uh, Shoot, I'm blanking. I blocked that out of my mind. Yeah. I don't know. Something. Hold on. I still, hold on. I still have some in my vault, actually. <laughs> Why? Uh, I kept five of each just to be safe. For for oh moments like this. That's like Yeah. Plasteel plating, hadronic essence. essence. Oh, that's it. Uh and sapphire Saf wire. Yep. Nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> and you and the reason it was so so awful is because you needed that to upgrade mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, so if, yeah. every every piece of yeah. armor. And like if you started let's say if you just had a warlock and you had five thousand, you know, hadronic essence. And then you start a Titan. You can't use those to help your Titan unlock. You have to yep. re-collect every, <laughs> every piece of <laughs> armor materials that you would need. <laughs> it was very uh, frustrating. So one of those quality of life things that your one players remember and everyone else takes advantage of. <laughs> Infusion hadn't been invented <clears throat> yet no. either. No. No, of course. That's what you needed the uh, highly coveted etheric mm -hmm. light for. I've still got some of those for some reason. I, <laughs> I got. I got. Give them like, to Petra. I have, I have one of those. Yeah. Let me guess. You have five. I got forty of them. Forty. Give them to Petra. <laughs> That's because every time, every week, when I go and talk with Varix to get the little package that yeah. he gives me every week, that always has one in there. <laughs> He's such uh, a troll. He is. He just wants you to give them to Petra. <laughs> So, kanji is the wrong word to use here uh, and refer to these markings because this is actually Chinese, and I'm pretty sure kanji only refers to Japanese writing, uh, but I don't know the technical term for for Chinese writing, unfortunately. Uh, so, there's two different instances of Jade Rabbit. So, we have the kanji, I'm just going to call it kanji, sorry, the kanji version and then written uh, version. So... <clears throat> The kanji version we're going to use to talk about uh, the Shishu, which is a Western Han anthology of Chinese poems from the Warring States period. Uh, and that posits uh, there is a, a song and a poem that refers to the Jade Rabbit, also called the Golden Rabbit. Uh, and those were phrases that were often used in place of the word moon. Uh, so it sort of, the jade rabbit sort of became synonymous with the moon. Uh, 
And then the words Jade Rabbit we're going to use to talk about the uh, unmanned lunar rover that the Chinese sent to the moon, which was called the Jade Rabbit. So that makes sense. And the uh, the lunar st- lunar station first light was a Chinese installation in game. Yes, it was. And so were the the three uh, the three named scientists that were there. So all the Jade Rabbits tied the lore is tied pretty pretty significantly to the moon. Uh, the perk for the gun Jade Rabbit is the fate of all fools. Uh, they did not change the name of the perk. Uh, and it's the exact same perk. Chain body shots to gain bonus damage in your next position shot, precision shot, and return ammo to the mag. Uh, this is the first exotic that I got when I started playing on PS4. And this gun's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this perk is so good. Uh, it's a boss destroyer. Uh, when I was out hunting Taken, like the Taken Majors, it's just like... You just pump off all headshots except for the last three then hit two body shots and one more headshot and you get your mag back it's nice. awesome uh worth noting that currently this is still a ps exclusive we were corrected in the fan chat earlier it's not a ps4 exclusive because you can get it on ps3 but hopefully this gun will come to xbox players uh in september okay. the foundry is dato uh, you can see the logo on the gun. It's just above the trigger on the housing of the gun. Uh, there's actually a full set of Jade Rabbit armor in the game, uh, but you would only could have gotten it if you were racing an SRL. Uh, and they all sort of relate. Some of them relate to the the story, uh, the historical story of Jade Rabbit, and some relate to sort of the mythology of Jade Rabbit. Uh, so the headpiece of the Jade Rabbit reads, Where one person sees a god, another sees only a shadow on the moon, Ikora Ray. So whether that's a reference to the actual god, the Jade Rabbit, or to Crota, yeah. <laughs> uh, don't really know. Although now I kind of imagine Crota is sort of a jade color. <laughs> yeah. What if he just appeared under the oversole with a little bushy tail and bunny ears? <laughs> I'd still hit him with a sword. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's just a rabbit. Uh, he- uh, hel- <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, helmet of the Jade Rabbit reads, There is a precision in speed. The slightest shift can result in victory or end in disaster. It's Lord Shaxx. That's why we discussed... I th- what episode did we discuss? The fact that SRL racers pretty much had to be guardians because nobody else could survive that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Helm of the Jade Rabbit, ancient technology repurposed for the modern guardian. Vest of the Jade Rabbit, bushy tail not included. <laughs> Gloves of the Jade Rabbit. <laughs> there was a moment when the hare chose not to defeat the tortoise. And boots of the Jade Rabbit, just a hop, skip, and a jump across Mars. Although it's weird that Mars would be mentioned there and not the moon but there was an srl track on mars and not one of the moon so yeah it's also an insignia you get in the game from one of the golden chests on the moon which is the jade rabbit insignia uh and then i have sort of notes that go in a little bit more depth here about the the mythology oh this is the same i put my quotes there we go all right 
So, I already read all this. Unmanned Lunar Rover. So, it was part of the Chinese, and I believe I'm saying this right, Shang-E's 3 mission to the moon. So that entire moon mission was called the Shang-E mission, and Shang-E is the Chinese goddess of the moon, and the Jade Rabbit, uh, Yutu, is her pet rabbit. So, uh, And it reached the moon's surface uh, in December of 2013. So, and just as a fun note, the plan landing site was Sinus Iridium, which is a lava-filled crater uh, on the moon, but it landed off course and actually landed in Mare Imbrium. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's <laughs> so. funny. Yeah, this is definitely one um, that I will want as soon as it becomes available on Xbox. Mm -hmm. No, it's so much fun. Yeah, like because it's it's like a, a a slow rate of fire scout, right? Yeah, it's only got eleven shots. Yeah, yeah, it's like Those the Call of Ants' like. duty, but then yeah. like yeah. that perk is what makes it. Makes yeah, the it perk good. is what makes it amazing. Yeah, I think of the uh, the exclusives right now. This is the the Hawk Moon this year for me. This is the one that I'm hoping I get right away. Ooh, I don't know. I got Zen Meteor a couple of days ago, and that gun's awesome. True. Yeah, I heard that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, next. Boolean Gemini. Fight yes. your way. <laughs> okay, we, we got some contradictions in this one. So let's jump into this. Yeah. Uh, the Grimoire reads, City foundries produce a wide variety of weapons in an attempt to anticipate Guardians' ever-changing needs in the battlefield, but no Guardian can carry all guns at all times. I beg to differ. Uh, <laughs> enter the Boolean Gemini. Designed by a think tank of Guardians and Foundry representatives, the Gemini was designed to be two guns in one, the flexible design that allows Guardians to toggle between distinct combat styles for maximum efficiency. Uh, but as we're going to discuss the quest here, keep in mind the designed by a think tank of guardians and foundry representatives, because that makes no sense. <laughs> uh, it has two perks, uh, as your two guns often do. So uh, perk number one is called one way, which is bonus agility on precision kills stacks up to three times or another bonus armor on non-precision kills uh, stacks up to three times. So, and that one way or another is a clear reference to one way or another by Blondie. Uh, <laughs> and for what it's worth, that album was also called Parallel Lines, which fits into the Boolean Gemini sort of <laughs> yeah. uh, name thing here. So, But then this is not the only exotic we'll find that has perks based on song names. <laughs> All right. So the quest here is Lost and Found. The flavor text is a brief tale of Petra's search for hope. Uh, so part one, Patrol the Dreadnought. For what it's worth here, uh, in the game, Bungie spells Dreadnought two different ways. Uh, both are correct, technically, but it's funny to me that they didn't go through the instances of Dreadnought and make them all identical. Uh, so here we have it spelt with an A, but if you look at the insurmountable skull fort, it's spelt with an O. So. This flavor text for this quest reads, 
I've had our tracking station scouring the system for distress calls, comm static, anything. Deep in the heart of the dreadnought, an awoken signal hit our network. It was only for a split second, but it was there. Board the ship and kill every creature you find. Look for more wreckage, anything that can tie those monsters to the awoken fleet. Uh, so that is Petra sending us to the dreadnought. We don't really know what that signal is, so we get sent there to find it. So the next part of the quest is search the court. <laughs> Fight creatures of the Court of Oryx to find the other half of a tech witch's brooch. So, the brooch is what you find. The half of it is what you find in Patrol the Dreadnought. Uh, and that flavor text is, Tech witches were always near the queen, like guards, but not. Many secrets they kept, tried many times to gain their confidence, did not go well. That's Varix. <laughs> so, the tech witches in, uh, they're talking about here are the techiunes, which are seen in the opening cutscene uh, of the Taken King. I can't so wait to find... get more about them, by the way. Yeah. So we find, you know, return that to uh, to Petra, a tech witch's brooch. <clears throat> the witches were with the queen in her final moments. Then here we go. I'm going to put all the resources I can muster into a search of my own, <clears throat> and we will see who is more determined, the Taken or the Awoken. Thank you, Guardian. So then you... The tech witch brooch item uh, is an actual thing that goes in your inventory. And its description is, This brooch, etched with the mystical signs, with mystical signs, was most likely worn by the tech witches in Queen Marasov's inner circle. So once you've done this short quest, she hands you Bully and Gemini. But the flavor text for that reads, We've kept these under lock and key in the royal stores for years now. I can think of no one more qualified to carry such a prize than you. Thank you, Guardian. Petrovenge. So then the question becomes, <laughs> if they were designed by a think tank of Guardians and Foundry representatives for Guardians, how did all of them end up locked up in the Awoken's royal stores? <laughs> it makes yeah. no sense to me. Yeah, well, We don't know the uh, time frame there. I mean, if they were designed... You know, earlier in well, the city age, and then you know during the um, reef wars, who knows what happens? The queen gets these this store of weapons coming in, locks them up. And yeah, all of them. Maybe <laughs> only send <laughs> guardians <laughs> with Bully and Gemini to the reef to fight. Oh, they all died. Take all their guns and lock Take them up. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> well, here's. That there's an actual, what I believe to be a real answer here, in that this gun started out as something else totally different. So originally when this gun hit the database, it was called the 347 Vesta Dynasty. Uh, if the word Vesta sounds familiar, it's because we go to the Vestian outpost, uh, and the Vesta family of asteroids is large and prominent grouping of mostly V-type asteroids in the inner asteroid belt around the vicinity of 4 Vesta. Uh, and we know that 4 Vesta is the location of the Vestian outpost. Uh, so, when in, when it, so when it hit the database, uh, everybody's like, oh, the, this was a, uh, before the Dark Below dropped is when this gun was mined out of the database. Uh, Bungie said the gun didn't actually exist, and it sort of disappeared for a little while, although there was flavor text associated with it. Uh, 
And that flavor text read, A reef scout hunts for years, fighting piracy and ancient traps to crack one cache and claim the weapons within. That flavor text makes a lot more sense with the quest we have <laughs> and how we get the gun from Petra. <laughs> it gets weirder, though. It gets a lot weirder. <laughs> Since there's this other gun from year one called the Vestian Dynasty. Yes. That has the flavor text, a reef scout hunts for years, fighting piracy and ancient traps to crack one cache and claim the weapons within. And it's a sidearm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so it seems like there was maybe some, maybe one thing didn't work on one of the guns. They they switched up how you get and Vestian Dynasty was you got that for free for completing House of Wolves missions. Yeah. So and then this gun was sort of like leaked and then hidden away and then brought back and then uh, And essentially given to you for finishing the rest of the House of Wolves missions. Yeah. <laughs> uh when it was listed in the database uh as Dynasty, the perks were called uh David and Goliath not one way or another. So David being the uh, agility perk and Goliath being the armor perk. Nice. So, and then, just for clarification, uh, Boolean is a binary variable having two possible values called true and false, and Gemini is the Latin word for twins. So, dealing, dealing out to number two here. Uh, and then, just for the hell of it, uh, when I was searching for the 347 Vesta Dynasty, I found that, I'll put this in the show notes if it's still available, on Trulia, if you're looking for a new home, 347 Vesta Circle in Melbourne, Florida is currently for sale. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So maybe that's where Queen Marasab is right now. Right in Florida? She's not that old. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> She's not retired. Or maybe she is. Maybe that's what the whole she, thing was. She kind of is. Yeah, she kind of is. <laughs> well, um, since we're also sort of talking about our own stores of some of these guns, I have a special place in my heart for this gun. It actually, uh, real early on in the Taken King, I was still trying to hold on to my hand cannons and uh, didn't really want to use anything else. And, and so started out you know, when King's Fall Normal came out, uh, I just had a, a hand cannon was the gun that I had that was infused the highest and eventually had to uh, accept the reality that it, it <laughs> wasn't going to get it done. And um, at the same time, I was doing this quest and I got I got Bullion Gemini at the end of it. And so Bullion carried me through like my first probably 10 completions of King's Fall. And uh, so I, I love wow. that it sounds like a staple gun as well. <laughs> It's, <laughs> it's such a last uh, last year two exotic that I need to get. <laughs> I gave up on the uh, the Taken Champion quest for a while because at the time I everyone else was on to other things and I didn't feel like soloing them and so I just like oh I don't need it <laughs> and then about a week ago or a couple weeks ago I was like ah, I need to finish all these quests so I'm like I'm on the last yeah. the last step I I just have to oh well, I'm at like the Patrolling the de- dreadnought part of the of the quest. So. 
Yeah, I never, I got it early on and I never really found a liking to it. And like, it's, for me, if I'm going to put an exotic scout rifle or an exotic in my primary spot, it's going to be, if it's going to be a scout rifle, it's just going to be Mita. Uh, but at the time, I think I got this gun right around the same time I got Ace of Spades. So I was, I was busy using Ace of Spades. Oh, yeah. Of this. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to the last two year two scout rifles and then a mysterious scout rifle that just doesn't really exist uh let's do that one first why not right all right the mysterious one yeah so the mysterious one is punk prayer uh yeah you mentioned this last episode that said everyone's probably out googling it it has no grimoire entry it has no perks associated with it uh it originally appeared in the database the same time as Devil's Do, which later became the fourth horseman right before the Dark Below. Uh, it was part of that huge leak. Uh, so the, I'm gonna butcher this word, so I apologize in advance. Uh, it's a Russian word. So the absolutism of our time demands a more radical form of Samizdat. Remember Samizdat? Uh, so Samizdat is a key form of dissident activity across the Soviet bloc. Uh, in which individuals reproduced censored and underground publications by hand and then passed the documents around from reader to reader. So it's like a grassroots practice to evade Soviet censorship. It's very dangerous, especially in Russia. Uh, And then the title of the gun, Punk Prayer, refers to a documentary that was done about the Russian punk band Pussy Riot. Uh who are sort of famous for bucking Soviet censorship and standing up against a lot of the more sort of socially oppressive uh, aspects of Soviet government. Uh, but yeah, this is a gun. Kind of. Kind, kind of. <laughs> uh, this, this leak, this famous leak that happened right before Dark Below had a bunch of stuff in it that never actually made it into the game. Exotic uh, ship, right? Was that in the same time? Yeah. The Manu Seller Die exotic ship, the S99 Dawn Chaser exotic sparrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Dawn Chaser has been changed, relisted as classified uh, in the database, but the ship is still there. Uh, in that same leak, we got the Exotac um, Angel Hunter, which was a weird helmet that used the model of Celestial Nighthawk, but had totally different perks. Uh, and there's a bunch of other exotic armors in there that had totally different names that became something else. We'll talk, talk about those when we get to uh, the exotic armor part of this series. But yeah, Punk Prayer was was there for a, a fleeting moment and then gone. So giving, given its reference, it doesn't surprise me that it was removed from the game. Uh, it may make an appearance some other time as something as else. something else, yeah. So... <clears throat> So that covers that, and now we have two left. One is ridiculously long, one is ridiculously awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do ridiculously awesome first. Yes. Gavel's, Gavel's baby. Uh, yeah, my current favorite exotic primary in the game, and has been for a while, is Tlaylock, whose uh, flavor text is, Release the storm, hold nothing back. So the, the grimoire is a back and forth between Ikora Ray uh, and the gunsmith. So, who wants to take what role? I'll be Banshee. 
Like I'll be Ikora. Oh, go ahead. Dragon be Ikora. Perfect. Alright. Uh Master Ray. Gunsmith. What brings you here? Working on a custom piece. Are you? Yep. For a warlock. Hmm. And how are you finding the work? You know, it goes and comes. Memory ain't what it was. Yes. It's good to be back in the shop, though. I'm glad of it. Well, then, I suspect you'll find some of, some of my recent research quite interesting. That's why I'm here. So now we can argue about how to pronounce Tlaylock. <laughs> no, I, I, that's the right way. We're not going to argue. <laughs> that's, that's how I've always said it. There you go. <laughs> What's the what was the other oh depending on dialects which wouldn't make sense for the time period for which the name references it could be pronounced Tashalok. Uh, yeah, I've heard other people say that the T is silent, so it's just like Lilock or Lalock. But that second L is a we it's a voiceless consonant from Welsh dialect that's pronounced Sha, so it would be a Shalock yeah. without with the T being silent. Yeah. Uh but for the time period it comes from, in a language nobody speaks anymore, it does make sense to call it Tlaylock, so that's what we're calling it. <laughs> so uh, do we think that... Uh, oh, go ahead, sorry. And the flavor text, release the storm, hold nothing back, is funny to me because this gun requires you to not do that. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> You're releasing it through the gun all the time. Yeah. That gun is your super. True enough. Uh, and then in that, that go-between, uh, we have the Yep for a Warlock, which you have to... So this is a Warlock-exclusive weapon, so you ha- would have to be a Warlock to even initiate this. Uh, so presumably that's us. Uh, and then... But what is Ikora's research? Implying that maybe some of the properties of this gun came from her. Yeah. We don't maybe, know. maybe it's part of her research that allows you to... You almost use the light that you've gathered or acquired and put it into a and like an object. Like you're because like essentially with this gun is your when you get your super, the gun fires faster and like and it has like improved handling and everything. And yeah. so it's you're basically using your super light like the light that you've gained or to make the weapon better so maybe that was part of her research and she taught in the storm collar opening she also talks about being a warlock being about control mm-hmm. so yeah like you're essentially she, controlling the, yeah, you're channeling you're controlling the storm to release it <laughs> right but every at shot. no cost <laughs> yeah at, yeah at pretty absolutely no cost which is crazy yeah. yeah so let's talk about the perk this perk is overflow uh weapon has better handling rate of fire and stability while the wielder's super is charged and that is so understating what happens to this gun. <laughs> it really is. Like, that sounds kind of mundane, right? Oh, it gets a little better. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> when your super is charged, I think I put it here, uh, it gives Slaylock the impact of Vision of Confluence, but it has the rate of fire and stability of Mida. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. And, like, the fastest reload in the game. <laughs> it's, it's bananas. I use this in the raid, especially for the... Uh, if we're if I'm doing cleanup uh, on Golgoroth, mm, yeah. and I'm the gaze taker, I just use Slaylock the whole time because it hits like a truck. It's dead on. Like it's just, 
it's beastly. Yeah, I use it at Oryx because it's like you don't really lose that much <laughs> with you know you you lose the infinite fire mode of of uh, touch of malice. Malice. But it's like the the reload is so fast. Yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel like you actually really lose anything there. <laughs> so yeah. Good. Uh, so the man- technically the manufacturer here is Banshee, uh, but it's very clearly an Amalon gun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, and we're gonna we find out in some of the other we're gonna cover the other back in the saddle, especially the in we talk hand cannons the back in the saddle uh, quest. Uh, it seems like maybe uh, Banshee is using an archetype and then building a new gun around it, which is what it seems to be here as well. Uh, so this is the Back in the Saddle quest. Uh, again, this is for Warlocks only. We talked briefly about Back in the Saddle when we covered uh, Fabian Strategy. Uh, but we didn't go into a detail because I had it listed out here in other places. Also, this gun highlights that Fabian Strategy is so bad. So, so bad. <laughs> compared to a gun like this. Uh, sorry. Yeah, and we'll, we'll cover the other one later in... It'll even, even yeah. more so <laughs> how bad it yeah. is. Uh, so this quest is pretty basic. Uh, you have to be gunsmith rank 3, then you have to get primary telemetry kills, and then you have to break down uh, rare or better scout rifles. Uh, I mean, there's flavor text here, but it's not particularly insightful to what the gun can do. Uh, but let's get down to who, who or what Claylock actually is. Uh... So, Claylock was an important deity in Aztec religion, supreme god of the rains, and then by extension, a god of fertility and of water. Uh, widely worshipped uh, as a beneficent giver of life and sustenance, but he was also feared <clears throat> feared for his ability to send hail, thunder, and lightning, and for being the lord of powerful element of water. Uh, so, that seems like the most likely reference here. Oh, yeah. When, uh, if you read Legends of Dune, uh, Tlaloc is a titan from Legends of Dune. <laughs> nice. Which is kind of weird, but also kind of makes sense a little bit. Uh, there's a whole big thing here. I don't think we need to read all of this. Uh, 11,000 years before the events of Dune, the 20 titans had been dissidents, disgusted with the decadence of humanity, had grown lazy and uninspired with thinking machines. <clears throat> To handle even the most mundane tasks, blah blah blah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, read read Legends of Dune. I don't. We're not going to cover the whole book here, but Tlaloc was one of those titans. Yeah. Uh, and then the very last one I have here is when Overflow is active. Tlaloc is in a class by itself, mm. and that's true. No other gun even comes close nope. <laughs> to this gun when Overflow is active. Yeah, I think you had it up here. Yeah, in PvP, three headshots, one body shot, but with the yeah. speed of Mida. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and crazy range. Uh, there's uh, Playlock has awesome range, uh, and it's just there's like no kickback at all when you're supercharged. So it's I use it on Sun Singer so much just because you end up holding your super a lot. Yeah, that's true. And that brings us to the last one. This is going to be a long one. <laughs> so, originally I had included all this in the uh, 
King's Fall weapons episode, but we have not gotten back to that. We're waiting on Bife, I promise. <laughs> uh, but this is Touch of Malice. Uh, flavor text reads, Let them feel every lash, every curse, every touch of malice that they first dealt to me. Eris Morn. A little, uh, uh, little vengeance coming on here. <laughs> a little bit of vengeance, although we're going to find out through the course of these quests that maybe her vengeance is a little misplaced. Or it's not quite as seething as she thought it once was. So the grimoire reads, <clears throat> man, I wish we had Morla here to read all these. <laughs> <laughs> the grimoire just reads. Just have X-ray, like, edit the, her episode and just, like, take words to piece together. I'm sure she said everything. Just edit <laughs> That's a lot of words. <laughs> she may not have said interiority. Maybe she may not have maybe. said black coal hatred. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not together. But <laughs> all right. So the grimoire reads: Here am I with the power to craft my enemies' darkest secrets—a weapon that could wound them at their core. So what stays my hand? When I behold the interiority of these cold, cold fragments, I see blind, squirming creatures. Every wound they give, they feel also upon themselves. Every bite they tear from the light only deepens, never fills, the raging emptiness behind their terrible mouths. The voices are as loud as ever, my nightmares just as bitter, my black coal hatred burns as hot. But I feel something else now. Could it be? No, I refuse it. I will build this weapon." So that could it be, we have alluded to possibly being pity for the hive, um, which we'll sort of look into as we talk about the quests, or possibly mercy, which is the one of the perks. Uh, and then I wonder, she said, I will build this weapon. Did she learn gunsmithing from Toland? Uh, <laughs> it's all right it there in his journal. Yeah, right. Did it come from somewhere else? Yeah, the journal they've had since <laughs> 100 years ago, the stupid bad juju quest. Ikora has it. <clears throat> For a stupid coupon. For a coupon. You you two can own Toland's journal with this coupon. Uh, so there's two perks and one hidden perk. So the first perk is a touch of malice. The final round of the magazine regenerates and deals bonus damage at the cost of the wielder's life force. And then a touch of mercy. Three rapid kills will return a portion of the wielder's health. It has a hidden perk, which is full auto, which people should definitely pay attention to because it will make your life a lot easier in the raid. <laughs> or it will kill you if you're not paying attention. Yes, or, th or that. <laughs> well, as long as you're killing three things quickly. Uh, the manufacturer I have is Eris Morn. Uh, so she makes this sort of from scratch. Then we have these ridiculously long quests. Uh... And I believe this quest is part of the uh, Moments of Triumph for year two. Yeah, the, the leaked version of it. Yeah. So the quest is called Hunger Pangs, but it's broken into a bunch of different parts. Uh, they jump all over the place in the game because you don't necessarily have to do them all in order. Uh, I've transcribed as much of it as I can here. Uh, in an order that kind of makes sense, but depending on how you experience it in game, you may not have, have experienced it the same way. So, Hunger Pangs, the story of the hive, and a choice made long ago. So, the quest actually starts with a quest called the Deep Lore, 
And that quest is described as a terrible bargain, a terrible curse. That was the way it began, Tolan's journal. And that requires collecting five calcified fragments, and that kicks off the whole thing. And that properly starts hunger pangs. So Eris is about to drop a whole bunch of hive lore on us. And some of it's not going to make sense based on what we know about Eris and what we know about the hive. Uh, also, there's some fun inconsistencies in her texts, uh, which I will point out because people ask me to do that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you start hunger pangs, you get <clears throat> from Eris. Guardian, the hive are an ancient scourge. Before memory, before history, before time itself, their teeth gnashed at the light. But in all my years among them, I never saw anything so old as this strange fragment. And despite its age, see how it glitters in the shadows. Should you find more like this one, bring them to me. Uh, then the quest itself description is given us to a ghost and says eris will certainly want to see these these fragments temperature have dropped steadily since we picked them up they're starting to strain my containment field you uh, might want to put a rush on this delivery <laughs> uh, which is funny because these go into our inventory well, they don't go into our inventory when we get them uh you just get a grimoire entry that is the fragment you pick but apparently they're being physically transmatted by ghost in a containment field yeah uh, then the end of this quest is these fragments you have found i can sense them clawing at the pit of my stomach they're like nothing i have felt before so old so raw so hungry more fragments remain seek them out if you dare uh, i like that she says clawing at the pit of my stomach. She usually doesn't use the word pit unless she's describing the hellmouth. <laughs> so it is the hellmouth. When you jump into the hellmouth, you're really jumping into Eris's stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's just one of these fun inconsistencies. So this actually ends with dash Eris Morn as if the quote is being attributed to her although she says this when you're standing directly in front of her uh, <laughs> and some of these quests have this dash Eris Morn line at the end and some do not uh, it looks like some of these may have been designed to go on to an item uh, and not be presented when you're standing directly in front of her <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that would be like me signing off every comment I made with, you know, dash, drop slash. <laughs> so the next part is Shattered Past, which is collect 15 calcified fragments. And the first part of that is the heroic version of the Promethean Code, uh, which is take, kill the Taken Centurion at the bottom of the salt mine in Bunker War 4. Uh... Worth noting that the Taken Centurion at the bottom of the salt mine is just called Brachus. He doesn't actually have a name. Brachus. Uh, Brachus is a rank in yeah. the Cabal hierarchy, not like his name isn't Brachus. It would be like calling somebody lieutenant. <laughs> he give up his name when he give up his will. <laughs> yeah, but no other Cabal do. This is true. So that's weird. Uh... So this, when you do this, this is when 
you sort of get to the end of the Promethean code and you scan and the floor opens up into a giant elevator and you go way down to the yeah. bottom of Bunker War 4. This is a really cool part. Like, I really love cool. that this That's big sick. section is hidden down there. Uh, but when that happens, Cade comes over the comms and says, you cracked the Voluspa protocol? I've been trying to get in there for years. How did... And then it statics out. Uh, Voluspa protocol, we have heard before a lot. It shows up in the Rasputin cards a lot. Uh, we talked about them when we talked in the, about the Rasputin cards. Uh, Voluspa is a counterattack protocol. It was activated concurrently with the Yugo protocol. Uh, and that plays into both the contingency plan uh, and the release of sleeper simulant. That's uh, the first and best known poem in the Poetic Edda. Uh, it tells the story of the creation of the world and its coming end. So, if you want more details on that, please listen to our Rasputin episodes. <laughs> <clears throat> when you get to the bottom of that elevator, it's just called the mine, and I wasn't really sure why, but now we know that it's a salt mine. So, there's where the name comes from. <clears throat> So, and this is weird because this relates to this essence of the feast we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but it says, Guardian, these fragments are but a few nodes in a dim, tangled web. The threads are many, and the strongest of them converge in Rasputin's vault in the Cosmodrome. This cannot bode well for Rasputin or for us. I advise you to see the Warmind out and quickly, or seek the Warmind out and quickly. And then the quest text reads, so much, of Rasputin's, so much of Rasputin remains a mystery, even after we found his vault. Uh, to have these strange hive fragments near him, not good. What vault? Vault. vault. Bungie loves the word vault. <laughs> vault is where we store all our items. Vault is where Atheon hangs out. Vault is what apparently Rasputin is in. <laughs> uh... This word appears all over the place. Uh, so you kill uh, Brachus <laughs> and you return to Eris. Uh, you have claimed the essence, light as pure as yours, how it must have burned for you to touch it. I shall not have a problem. Yet this mystery burns in my mind. <clears throat> I must think on this. More of these fragments must exist. Return to me if you find any. Interesting, she says that she will not have a problem touching it. Uh, maybe her light isn't as pure anymore, or at least she thinks that it's not pure anymore. So anyway, you get 15 calcified fragments, and that kicks uh, the quest over to the old hunger. So still requires a ton of... Uh, or does, does it jump to hunger pangs next? See, in the official description, hunger pangs comes after the old hunger, but it doesn't make any sense here. Let's skip. Let's go to hunger pangs, then we'll come back to the old hunger. Uh, so then she sends you on your way to fight the undying mind, because why not? Uh, enter the black garden and claim the essence of the feast there. Uh, start. A dim form begins to take shape, guardian. If these fragments are, if my suspicions are correct, no, I will not speculate. Not until we know more. I actually agree with Harris on that. <laughs> Another essence of the feast is out there. You must find it. Seek out Morgath, Lorekeeper, in the Black Garden. 
uh, and the quest reads, The hive were not always as they are. They were once something else. These fragments speak of that past. Morgath, Lorekeeper, will know more. Okay, well, if Morgath, Lorekeeper, who's an exalted knight who appears only in this special version of the Undying Mind, will know more, why are we going there to murder him? <laughs> Can we have him as a guest on this show? Yes, please. Uh, yeah, he's just a hive knight that runs around the Undying Mind Strike when you get it, this part of the quest. Why he would be there only the second time? This is weird to me. Like, So does this mean that the Morgath version of the Undying Mind is like the official canon version of it? Well, that's like the Zyor version of the the Thorn... Yeah, the Summoning Pits. Yeah. Summoning Pits, yeah. So, I don't know. There's no explanation for, I blame Atheon. <laughs> uh, so when you bring that back to her, it says, You've claimed another essence of the feast. Excellent. It's strange, Guardian. I thought I knew every shred of hive lore, and I hated every word of it. But these fragments, I know not whether this knowledge will help us battle them, but I am curious. Eris Morn. No, Eris, I know every shred of hive. <laughs> so, so she liked uh, Seth's writing as much as we did. Apparently. Yeah, she's starting to get sympathetic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the next part of this is exceptionally difficult, which is Fear's Embrace. A special version of Fear's Embrace. Uh, return to the fleet base on Phobos, kill the wizard, and claim the essence of the feast. Uh, so starting with this, Guardian, these fragments seethe with a terrible, painful power that I can barely describe. It is suffering beyond measure, but it is also strength, a desperate motivation to devour whole worlds in their search for the satisfaction that will never be theirs. Perhaps the closest word is hunger. One more essence of the feast eludes us. Find it, and I will unearth the answer it holds. Eris Morn. Uh, and then you complete it, and it says... A weapon that draws in the hive's ravenous darkness itself. A weapon that could turn back upon the hive all the suffering they have inflicted on us. This is technically the end, I guess. Uh, It is done. I named it the Touch of Malice, for it is not but the hive's own doing. Take it, Guardian, and remember that they had a choice, and now so do we. So that'll take us back to Hunger Pangs, which happens sort of between some of these things as they exist. I guess I should have done this in order. uh, The Old Hunger. Oh, yes, the Old Hunger, which is the raid part of this quest. So the Old Hunger uh, starts with Form the Ritual, Board the Dreadnought, and Recover the Blade of Famine, the Shroud of Ear Anuk, and the Ravenous Heart. Uh, and it's worth noting that this little tiny bit, this form the ritual part, has its own flavor text beyond just what I just read. And that reads, The famine, the feeding, and always the death singer's shroud covers all. These are the keys. These are the keys. Toland's journal. Man, Toland knows everything. Toland is like the greatest <laughs> de- deus ex machina for explaining the hive. Like, oh, there's a thing? It's in the journal. Uh, so the blade of famine drops from the war priest the shroud of ear anuk drops from ear anuk uh, and the ravenous heart drops from oryx Uh, 
I made a note here about the word ravenous, but we'll get back to that when we talk about thorn. And the heart part of this, so when this drops and appears in your inventory, uh, it looks like a tiny version of the heart of the Black Garden. So, well, it actually doesn't appear in your inventory. It appears on the right-hand side when you get it, mm -hmm. and then it vanishes immediately. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> once you've gotten all three of those things, the quest turns into Spoils of the Fall, which makes sense. It's King's Fall. The description on that is, Guardian, long have I thought that no creature has suffered as I have, but now these fragments and relics have shown me my match in my own enemy. Maybe, man, that is like the most emo thing anybody's ever done. <laughs> no creature has suffered as I have. Sure, Eris. Sure. Don't buy into it, Eris. But now she's discovering that, yeah, there are there are creatures that have suffered as she has, and they're the hive. Uh, but when you drop this off with her, she says, You found the artifacts of which Tolan spoke. The secrets of the hive, their darkest power, their oldest hunger, lie assembled before us. Perhaps we could harness it, yes. Forge a weapon that would turn the hive's deadly maw upon itself. Oh, how sweet that would be. Uh, deadly Maw. I don't have it in the comments here, but that word Maw doesn't appear a lot in the game. One place it does occur is talking about Chelchus, the Kell of Stone, and how he stood before the Great Maw. Mm -hmm. So those two things could possibly be linked. Next step is a dim form. Uh, could it be possible to tap into the power of that dreadful bargain from so long ago? And if so... What would it cost? Tolan's journal. Uh, this step requires you to bring 50 hadium flakes, 50 weapon parts, and 25 worm spore to Eris. Uh, and when we get to the end here, we'll talk about the significance of those items. Uh, to build such a weapon would not be without consequence. Dare we undertake it? Guardian, I leave that for you to decide. If you wish such a weapon, I will need more materials. Eris Morn. And I, f I find all this interesting because like, this shows how deep Tolan dove into Hive Arcana even before the the raid in the original fire team. It's like he he knows stuff here that like we don't find out, and Eris doesn't find out really until like we collect these fragments. And, you know, when we get the story of the the books of sorrow, when we learn about the the bargain that was made so long ago, but he mm -hmm. Toland already wrote this in his journal <laughs> like yeah he already knew he already all. knew all this and that just like that shows how deep he dove into it and you know you could probably see why the speaker <laughs> thought he was willing for a to be a, or a worthy to be banned for how deep but he it's dove. crazy right like if you think about the bad juju quest that we read and then you think about that like toland he like he knew everything way before everybody mm -hmm. and nobody would listen to it yeah like he knew so much, uh, and this is why like I love Toland as a character. Like he is, he wants to figure out everything. It's like he's not motivated by power. He's not motivated by anything other than like curiosity and knowledge. Yeah, power is knowledge. That's he wants knowledge, uh, and he knew all of this. Yeah. So the last part of this is a discordant note, which reads: "Hunger is a terrible curse." But if it serves to motivate, to inspire, to urge, 
can it not also be a blessing? Tolan's journal. Uh, and this reads, there are indeed the materials I would need to, this, uh, this sentence drives me crazy, <laughs> so I'm going to read it, and it's just got too many words in it. Uh, <laughs> These are indeed the materials I would need to build a frame for the type of weapon of which we spoke. Come on, Eris. There's no shorter way to say that. <laughs> well, not with that uh, many prepositions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see your curiosity got the better of you, much like Toland. I cannot say I am not glad for it. Wait, so... Again, double so, negative. So, yeah. just say, <laughs> so she is glad? Just say she's glad for it. Uh, very well. I shall begin, Eris Morn. All right. That's the quest. Uh... And she makes you a touch of malice. Uh, let's go into some of the lore behind it. Or maybe not the lore. Some of the weird notes and things about the gun. And talk about it. the gun itself. Can't do that, though, before talking about the last calcified fragment in sight. Yeah. Uh, so this is from the Books of Sorrow. Mm-hmm. It's verse 5-9. So the last that we I'll have. I'll make sure. The last that we have. Correct. As we will also discover with Thorn. Uh, and this is Oryx, and it reads, So I will prepare a book, which is a map to a weapon, and my vanquisher will read that book, seeking the weapon, and they will come to understand me, where I have been, and where I was going. And they will take up my weapon, and they will use it. They will use that weapon, which is all that I am. And armed thus with my past and my future and my present, which is a weapon, a weapon that takes whatever is available, a weapon bound to malice, and they will mantle me, Oryx, the Taken King. They will become me, and I will become them, each of us defeating each other, correcting the other, alloying ourselves into one omnipotent philosophy. Thus, I will live forever. I will make sure." Uh, so this, in a way, reveals Oryx's final play at immortality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the Books of Sorrow were designed to be a map uh, to the creation of this sort of f- final shape, to use, not to use a, a term that we're familiar with. Uh, and the shape could only come to be from one who finds the books and defeats Oryx to create that shape and wield it. <laughs> mm-hmm. it it's interesting here because he's... You know, he's expecting to be vanquished at this point. You know, and it's whether it's by his form, like he feels like he knows that he's kind of in that rotten deal, but he knows that his time's coming. And I think the difference, you know, at least for the Guardian's perspective, is like we didn't kill him seeking the weapon like he thought. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Eris, maybe that was part of her plan or Tolan's plan and the Queen's plan. Who knows all their what they were working on, but at least for our own selves, you know that wasn't our purpose. Yeah. So it's all yeah, but I mean it's all it's all a plan. Just and then I mean Toland knew it all. <laughs> yeah. Toland knew it was gonna happen. Yeah, that it was like so I will prepare a book. It's like okay, so he prepared Toland's journal. Perfect. That's what we used pretty much to. Get Bellorus wishes he had Toland's <laughs> journal. <laughs> yeah, seriously. 
are you kidding me? Oryx should be sitting there like, how does this guy know about this? <laughs> He's like, all right, where's, where's the leak? He's a... <laughs> it's like you flip the page in Tolan's journal and there's like a Polaroid of Oryx coming out of the shower. Yeah. Like, how is this in here? <laughs> it's like mildly creepy. <laughs> yeah. He would just... It's like, it's like a picture of when your Anuk and your Halak were first born. It's like in the... In the delivery room. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute, this guy was here? Why did I not notice him? He'd, he'd send out a tweet with the water pipe bursting with water coming out. The little smiley, <laughs> smiley face. <laughs> Oryx wears a size 15 <laughs> sneaker. What? <laughs> uh, yeah. Tolan's creepy journal. Yeah, but the, just the... The, the end of that, that uh, card there, the... Just the connotations that it's like they will become me and I will become them. You know, each of us defeating the other, correcting the other, allowing ourselves, allowing ourselves, allowing ourselves into one omnipotent philosophy. Thus, I will live forever. It's, it's and of, as it turns out, this gun is amazing for the last two parts of the raid. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's talk about the gun itself. Uh, the first part of my notes here is pretty large. Uh, it's the three collected parts used to make the gun are all plainly visible. The blade of famine is the bayonet, which I failed to mention last episode. Uh, the ravenous heart is clearly visible. It's part of the frame. Uh, and the shroud of ear nuke covers the entire thing. Uh, and if you look at it, it looks like each part plays a role in the mechanics of how the gun actually functions. So we'll start with the shroud. Uh, so the Shroud of Nook covers the entire gun, but it could be read as the Shroud is also what creates that infinite final round. So Anuk is the weaver uh, of the Death Singers. Her sister is the Unraveler. So <clears throat> she, the sort of thought here is that the Shroud uses her her power to infinitely weave that final round so you never run out. Uh, and then I have here, but according to the law of conservation of energy, you need something to work with. <clears throat> so something has to be unraveled or taken in uh, in order to weave that last bullet out. So the ravenous heart. <clears throat> so we don't really know what the ravenous heart is. Uh, it's presumed to be the heart of Oryx. It's also possibly presumed to be his worm. Uh, in Touch of Malice, it's contained within a gyrosphere, and the gyrosphere has hive runes etched all over it. Uh, so if it is the worm and it's contained inside the Touch of Malice, uh, it could be what grants power to you at the cost of your life force uh, unless you feed it something else. Uh, so it's basically, it's, it's eating your light uh, unless you give it something else um that's where the blade of famine comes in uh which presumably grants the touch of mercy perk uh the war priest one of the charges of the war priest was overseeing the tithing from lesser hive up to oryx uh to prevent oryx's own worm from devouring him we talked about that a little bit with war priest and court of oryx uh the blade of famine comes with the medallion that hangs in the front of the gun but it's also the logo the perk symbol for touch of mercy so by killing enemies, you feed the worm, which is the ravenous heart, which in turn extends your life uh, rather than have it be sucked dry by the heart. So it's all a little presumptuous there. 
Uh, the other parts are Hadium Flakes and Worm Spore. Uh, Hadium Flakes are super unique in Destiny. Uh, they're explicitly described as being able to react to specific kinds of energy they're exposed to. Uh, we'll talk about this when we talk about the swords. Uh, and just as a, a quick primer for that, the swords require sort of elemental materials and motes of light. So the Hadium and the Worm Spore reacts to the light and the arc, solar, or void element. Mm -hmm. But Touch of Malice does not use motes of light at all. Uh, it uses Worm Spore instead. <laughs> And then the description of worm spore is a concentrated transmutation catalyst that reacts to both the light and the darkness. So between Hadium Flakes and Worm Spore, and then having Blade of Famine, Ravenous Heart, and the Shroud, and no motes of light to purify it, this ends up be sort of turning the gun into a weapon of pretty dark proportions. <laughs> uh, whereas the swords are not. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I know a lot of I think a lot of people consider this like a a weapons of weapon of sorrow. A weapon of sorrow, yeah. Uh, but even if like even if none of this stuff is true, uh, or only part of it's true, it shows that there was a lot of thought put into the design of Touch of Malice mm -hmm. and that the parts you collect for it make sense with how the gun works. It's like a pretty well thought out exotic weapon. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> some other quick notes here. Uh Ravenous Heart bears a very stark resemblance to the uh, Heart of the Black Garden. Uh, the perk symbol for Touch of Malice is the same as the gravity-defying charm that hangs from the front of the gun. It drives me crazy when I see Touch of Malice on people's backs because the charm always hangs perpendicular to the bayonet. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't adjust with gravity. Uh, there's a theory that the reason Touch of Malice has 11 rounds in the magazine is that it's a reference to the life expectancy of the Hive, uh, which was 10 years. We learned that in the Books of Sorrow. So after the bargain with the Worm Gods, this was prolonged indefinitely. Uh, if the Ravenous Heart is Oryx's Worm, that it may tie into extending the magazine's life expectancy beyond 10 rounds by adding the infinite 11th round, mm -hmm. similar to how mm -hmm. Oryx has the infinite 11th year. Yeah, the infinite round that slowly drains your life you know, unless you to, feed yeah, it similar, similar to the bargain yep uh, touch of malice's ammunition indicator bears bears a this is a weird one uh i'll see if i can find a link for it for the show notes in the original concept art of the black garden the blight that was there had this huge hexagonal construct around it uh and if you notice the ammunition indicator on the back of Touch of Malice, it is that same hexagonal design. Uh, it's always white on the back of Touch of Malice until you're down to that last round, and then it will pulse red every time you shoot. Uh, so it's another interesting sort of tie to the heart of the Black Garden. Uh, then there's some other notes here. Uh, it may not seem like it, but this gun is an absolute monster. Uh, when combined with the aura of immortality from the various areas of King's Fall, it is an infinite death dealer. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's funny, when this gun first came out, people thought that it would not be any good on bosses because you needed to keep killing things in order to get your health back. But it turns out that it is like a boss destroyer because mm -hmm. it just... <laughs> uh, last week when the Malak strike had 
uh, exposure. Uh, my fire team did three guardians, all defenders, and we cycled armor, not armor, uh, blessings of light uh, plus exposure, and we just vaporized <laughs> Malak with touch three touch of malices. It was awesome. Uh, when the perks are working in sync, as mentioned above with the aura, uh, has the highest sustained DPS of any primary weapon in all of Destiny. Nothing even comes close. Uh, this is funny. As the ammunition gets lower with Touch of Malice, there is a whisper that will get louder. Uh, it is most audible when there's only a single round left. It's also worth knowing that the containment field that's caused by the little gyrosphere with the hive runes on it will fade as the rounds get lower and lower. So whatever that containment field is, is it fades with the gun's ammo, and then when you're down to one, it will whisper <coughs> terrible things to you. Uh, and the last note here is that in an interview, Luke Smith once joked, keep calm and touch of malice <laughs> when talking about Destiny Year 2. Yeah, yeah I remember in... Uh there was E3 last year, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, okay, Gallahorn's not coming, you know, what do, like, what are you bringing in year two and taking King that's going to keep people excited? You know, Luke Smith said, you know, like, we haven't said anything about it, we're not going to say anything about it, but the exotic that I'm most excited about as a player is Touch of Malice. And there was a lot of speculation about the gun, too, because it required, you know, quote-unquote, 50 parts being collected before you could get mm-hmm. it. And nobody knew what those parts were. Or 45 uh, for that one, right? Or 45. <laughs> nobody knew what those parts were or what they meant or where you would get them from. And it slowly became clear that there were all these new fragments floating around. Mm-hmm. And they were leading us towards Touch of Malice. And yeah, so I mean, pretty well thought out. There's some, a little couple inconsistencies in there, and just but some, yeah, just some really cool stuff though. Just like when you read the books of sorrow, and you like get all the way to the end, and you read that last one, and then you get this quest. It's like, like it's like whoa, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and we get a little bit like we get a little bit of hesitation here in Eris, like you know this whole maybe starting to feel pity. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the hive, for for suffering what they did. I mean, maybe her blind hatred is seeding to the the knowledge that hey, they they made a a bad choice way back, like when when they were young, uh, yeah. and they've suffered a millennia for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we so. get multiple times that you know the sisters feel you know they feel trapped, like they have no choice. It's they either continue this path they're on or they die <laughs> yeah okay so what are we like an hour and a half in now yeah yeah hour yeah i got hour 40 all right you ready to go to hand cannons oh yeah let's <laughs> do it <laughs> here we go uh geez what should we start with i just go from the top <clears throat> yeah exotic hand cannon number one Hawk, Hawk Awesome. <laughs> Hawk Awesome. Oh, this gun is... Man. Uh, Hawk Awesome. Hawk Moon. Uh, sorry. I, I just say Hawk Awesome by default. Uh, <laughs> I could thank Mr. Fruit for that. Uh, 
Stalk thy prey and let loose thy talons upon the darkness. Uh, Grimoire reads, The Hawk Moon is a true gunslinger's weapon, a smooth sidearm that makes every bullet count, some more than others. Yeah, and I, I kind of I don't agree with part of that. It's like I do agree. I don't agree with a lot of it. <laughs> I, I agree that some more than others, but uh, if, if you've played the Crucible recently and you fake, go up against people shooting the, or using Hawk Moon, you'll, you'll often hear them shooting off three or four rounds immediately trying to get better odds to get the uh, the luck in the chamber and the holding aces perks. So, uh, no, every bullet doesn't count. <laughs> it's just funny because that's not really giving them better odds. It's just potentially wasting one wasting that the might shot. have been in the first three. Yeah, well, well just, you can hear it now, though, so that's that's what makes it well, so easy. So if you shoot three, right, you so hear it. So you just it, know if you had... <laughs> yeah. So, like, what, it has 13 rounds? So if you shoot four and it doesn't proc, you know that three of the next nine are going to... Yeah, the one's holding aces. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that stalk thy prey and let loose thy talents upon the darkness. I searched everywhere to see if that was a reference to anything. Uh, and I found nothing. What I actually found was 11 billion Tumblr and Twitter accounts that use this as their description. <laughs> this is probably the most used flavor text from Destiny I have ever seen spread across the internet. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, Hawkmoon is a true gunslinger's weapon. Gunslingers is not capitalized in this Grimoire entry text. Uh, so this is more of a reference to hand cannon users. Yeah. yeah. But it is absolutely not a sidearm. <laughs> nope. It's generically a sidearm. Uh, I mean, for what it's worth, Hawkmoon was in the game long before sidearms were introduced. Yeah. But, yeah, no. Uh, so its signature perk is holding aces. Uh, two more bullets in your magazine that will deal considerable bonus damage. Uh, and this perk got a hefty, hefty nerf uh, <laughs> last year, July 2015, the Destiny 2.0 update. Uh, so it's worth noting, Hawkmoon was originally a year, I mean, uh, originally a PlayStation exclusive gun. So they got to play with this gun in its pure, unnerfed, mm. total massive OPness when it had bananas range and. Well, it also had hold- yeah, had the chance to proc both holding aces and luck in the chamber at once, and so you could get a one shot kill in Crucible. Yep. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> if, if you have it. <laughs> yeah. So they reduced luck in the chamber. Uh, they reduced the bonus. And then they reduced the overall holding aces perk. And yeah, and they made it where they can't. They've taken some of the range away from it. Yeah, they made it where they don't stack. Like, so that it would all, you'll yeah. get, it's basically three luck in the chamber perks instead of two, like, though they can both go at the same time. Yeah. But it's still really good. Still very good. I mean, me and my, my buddies, we played around in trials with it, and all three of us had it, and it was the first time any of us had used it, like, in trials. Like, we'd maybe use mm-hmm. it in the raid or Nightfall or something, and we just, like, it was probably the easiest trials run we've ever had. We just, with all of us, like, if I shoot once, and even if mine doesn't proc, the you know, there were, odds are one of theirs was going to proc, and so, like, it was just two-shot kills left and right. So the other teams <laughs> hated it. The gun is amazing. Uh, I think, did they give everybody a free, or Xbox players got like a free PlayStation exclusive exotic when they were re- finally released? 
yeah. I got Hawk Moon. So did I. So I just started using it immediately. I did not. It was so my Crucible <laughs> go-to. Oh man, it was so good. I got Monte Carlo. I'm sorry. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brother did. We too, talked about that on mad. the last one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I got a lot of notes here on Hawkmoon. So let's talk about some of it. So it seems that the most likely reference uh, to the name Hawkmoon comes from the Michael Moorcock fantasy novel of the same name, uh, which has the character Dorian Hawkmoon. Uh, very prominent in the Eternal Champions series of books. Uh, more hilariously, Moorcock collaborated with a British rock band called Hawk Wind <laughs> on many occasions. Uh, and a couple of their songs include like verbatim quotes from his books. Uh, and uh, a lot of the, the album that a lot of those collaborations appeared on was called Warrior on the Edge of Time is interestingly destiny themed oh and then the holding aces perk uh for what it's worth ace books published a lot of michael moorcock's books uh so holding aces could be either a reference to gambling which you're holding two aces and they're the lucky cards uh or it could be a reference to holding ace books uh the publisher of michael moorcock's dorian hawkmoon books Uh, and Hawkwind was a an English rock band. They're they're considered space rock, yes, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, that seems like the most likely place that Hawkmoon has come from. Like though that style of novel, uh, you know, science fiction fantasy style books uh, that falls right into the wheelhouse of Destiny. So it would not surprise me at all if that was the the influence and the reference. Uh Alternatively, there's a U2 song called Hawkmoon 269. Uh, and according to the history of that song, it was inspired by the town of Hawkmoon, North Dakota, which U2 passed through while on tour. Uh, the number 269 in the title refers to the number of mixes the song went through before the final recorded version. Uh, but if you search for Hawkmoon, North Dakota on Google Maps, no such place exists. So... Either Google Maps is incomplete or this story is total BS. <laughs> if you live in Hawkmoon, North Dakota and are listening to this show, please send us an email or a message on Twitter or something and let us know that you actually do exist. There you go. Uh, <laughs> one of the lyrics of, the so of that song, though, is when the night has no end and the day is yet to begin. Which would be a pretty accurate description of the collapse in the Dark Ages before the Guardians showed up. <laughs> But maybe not. Who knows? <clears throat> uh, if you play Counter-Strike, the Desert Eagle in Counter-Strike was called the Night Hawk. Uh, we'll talk more about Celestial Night Hawk in the Exotic Armor episodes, but Hawkmoon is based off the Desert Eagle model. Uh, also, in uh, Counter-Strike, the Night Hawk could one-hit KO with a headshot, uh, similar to what Hawkmoon used to be able to do. So there's, there's a possible reference there, uh, whether that bled over into Celestial Nighthawk <laughs> and the Golden Gun perk that allows you to basically one-hit KO anything. <laughs> uh, maybe that's the reference. I don't know. Uh, 
let's talk about hilarious gun sizes <laughs> again. <laughs> so if you render Hawkmoon in 3D and try to 3D print it, the barrel size is 22 millimeter. Uh, <laughs> which is ridiculous. That's enormous. Uh, for what it's worth, usually the limit is 20 millimeter uh, on a weapon before they just start calling the bullets shells. Uh, 20 millimeter coming from a regular gun is an anti-tank or anti-material round, <laughs> which is Jeez. ridiculous. And it's coming out of a handgun. Here's some other fun facts that I pulled based on size. Uh, Hawkmoon is 434 millimeters long. That's 17 inches or 1.4 feet. Uh, a, a Mark 19 Desert Eagle is 15 inches long, but it weighs four and a half pounds. But it fires a round less than half the size of Hawkmoon. So a loaded clip on Hawk, 13 rounds on Hawkmoon, that gun must weigh like seven or eight pounds. Uh, which, if you've ever fired a handgun, is extraordinarily heavy. Uh, the makers of the, des the Desert Eagle IMI, uh, they also make a gun that used to be called the Jericho 941, but was marketed by Magnum as the Baby Eagle. Uh, and that could very easily be the inspiration for uh, Yesaluna or Baby Hawkmoon in Destiny. So Aes is a hawk hatchling and Luna means moon. Uh, it has a very similar model to, to Hawkmoon. I believe it's red. <laughs> red and black. Does it have the talon <clears throat> coming out of the handle? Let me look. <laughs> We have all these guns in our inventory right now. No talent. Um, no talent. So, but I mean, it's a baby hawk, so it it's doesn't have its yeah. doesn't have its claws still, yet. Yep, still, uh, still growing. <clears throat> this was one of the original PlayStation exclusives. So us Xbox, this was a big, a big deal too, uh, back in those early days, when like when the console wars were like the faction wars and everything was bloody and terrible. Uh, <laughs> a lot of PlayStation players lorded the Hawkmoon over the Xbox players. Uh, it was a really sore spot. <laughs> uh, similar. And not even, but not even close. Like even Zen Meteor and Jade Rabbit are cool, but not, not like Hawkmoon was. Oh uh, yeah. No. <clears throat> For sure. Not even, yeah, definitely not close. Which could have been by somewhat by design. Like, let's give them their exclusives, but let's not make the entire Xbox community mad. <laughs> Everybody, what, like, you would watch YouTube videos of Hawkmoon just doing insane things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, in year one, I was pretty much primarily a hand cannon user. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was salty. I was salty about not... Being able to get my hands on Hawkmoon. Uh, so good. Uh, they did my last note here. Hawkmoon is a force of nature. <laughs> it was originally a near unstoppable weapon. Was, it was smooth and rangy. Had a super, chance, super rare chance at the one hit kill with the Luck and Aces headshot. It's gone through a ton of nerfs. Uh, and a couple buffs. And it's currently sitting in an okay place. But it's far from the heights it once soared. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and what I think what kind of almost I don't know if it makes it not as special, but in the year one, I believe the only other hand cannon that had the same like archetype out of it was the um Lord High Fixer. Um all other ones were either the really high impact, like the uh uh the one from the Iron Banner one and mm-hmm. then or the Fatebringer archetype. But in Taken King, they've added, I think there's like four different hand cannons with that kind of same archetype. So if you get, you know, you can get a IS Luna with Luck and Chamber, it's literally yeah. a baby Hawkman. Because exact same greater fire impact, everything. Hawkman's sound is so distinctive when it fires, too. Mm-hmm. Man, it sounds so good. Although for me, I only ever hear Hawks <laughs> screeching because of the Mr. Fruit video. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Hawkmoon. Amazing gun. I hope that hand cannons find their place again uh, and sort of get back to where they used to be. I mean, they're slowly getting there, but... Yeah, they're, they're in a pretty good spot right now. Like, I, I like use, I like, you know, I like that that actually, that style. Of the Lord High Fixer, the Aya Luna. Those are really yeah, good. Yeah, I had a... Really good ones. With TFTY, <clears throat> the fall will probably kill you. Nineteen sixty nine. Mm-hmm. I had that uh, early on. It was my one of my favorite hand cannons. <clears throat> All right, that does it for Hawkmoon. Are we going to leave these next two for the end? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That way, if we run out of time, we can just wait another week for it and. Drive all our listeners crazy. Or a month or a couple months. Although it'll be tough to talk about First Curse. Maybe we'll do that. We'll do it. Let's do Ace of Spades next. Speaking of speaking of return to year one glory. And <clears throat> exotics with names from cool songs. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, Ace of Spades. Uh, don't play your hand unless you're sure you have that ace in the hole. So are you are you reprising your role as the uh yeah, as sure. Banshee? That means somebody else has to be Cade though. Dang it. I vote X ray. I can read things. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Cade. <laughs> I'm Cade. Alright, let's uh find my spot back here. Alright. So Hey there, Banshee. What do you want, Cade? Just uh, checking in on that thing I asked you to do. I told you, my smuggling days are over. No, no, shh, no, not that. The other thing. What other thing? The custom piece for... Oh, right, right, of course I'm doing that. (laughs) Yeah, how's it looking? Did all the design myself, so it's looking good. Is that an ace of spades? Yep. Oh, that just ends at yep. Yep. <laughs> Most of Banshee's stuff does like um uh what now? Uh okay. Banshee the smuggler. Yeah, he remembers something about his past. Good that on. Cade didn't want him to remember. <laughs> yeah. Cade's yeah. wife Cade was involved in. <laughs> He's like, Banshee, do this. Okay, come here, let me uh let me hook you up to this computer real quick. Yeah, it was like I... was Cade smuggling things inside of Banshee? Can Exos do that? Oh, wait a minute. Whoa. Well, okay, <laughs> never mind. Yeah, back it up. Delete. <laughs> Leave that. <laughs> let's let's wipe that. <laughs> okay, fan fiction writers, you got it. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Ship Kate and Banshee. 
It's like a drug mule. Uh, okay. Um, so that's the. Uh, oh man. That's the grimoire for uh, Ace of Spades. Yeah. Um, now it's uh, his signature perk is Maverick. Yes. Precision kills move one round from your ammo reserves into the magazine, which is great. Like I, I just I did Vault of Glass before we before we started recording, and I was using Ace of Spades, and it's so much fun. It feel it's such a the gun feels really good. We're gonna find out why in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for the grimoire, uh, it doesn't say. So we know exclusively that Playlock was designed for a warlock, but we don't learn who this gun is for. Uh, we know that Cade has asked Banshee to make it, but we don't know who it's for. We don't know when this conversation takes place. Is it for himself? Is it for us? Is it for Andal Brask? We don't know. Don't know. Banshee says he did the design by himself. Yeah, we're going to find out about that in a minute. And then I just have Ace of Spades lyrics here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lemmy. I know. That was a tough one for me, man. Song He's will so, live forever, so cool. Oh man, if if you get the chance, I think it's on YouTube. There's a like a BBC documentary. It's about an hour long about Motorhead, and just listening to that guy talk, man, he is he he was just just what he was, and it was it was crazy. He was a rock star and lived the lifestyle and didn't hide it, and oh, he like prided himself on drinking like a fifth of whiskey a day it's crazy <laughs> it's crazy such a good such a good documentary though i, I reckon awesome it. i didn't even know it existed yeah yeah it's really cool uh i only ever think of the uh the line from airheads <clears throat> who'd win a wrestling match lemmy or god <laughs> <laughs> trick question lemmy is god <laughs> <laughs> that was so good <laughs> so this is another uh Gunsmith rank three weapon. Yep, back in the saddle. So we do back in the saddle again. Get yeah, it. I mean, <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's, we're gonna do an episode of all just musical references in Destiny. <laughs> I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, there are a lot. <laughs> <laughs> This is the exact flame, same flavor text as the other two. Uh, they just swap out the names. So, I, I will I will own up to the fact that when I had to break down hand cannons, I did dismantle my year one um, devil. You know, Oof. I did it. I did not dismantle my fate bringer. I, I you were gonna say fate bringer. I was gonna I be did like, not what? dismantle. My, I, I still have it. I used it. They used yeah, it like I, I did dismantle one of my five fate bringers, and then another of my fate bringers. Which I'm sorry, you said you said five. Yeah, fate bringers. I had a, I had a collection <laughs> going into your two. I just I, I want every listener to to be clear so they can all hate you. <laughs> oh, I've got. I, you said I won't five? even mention that I got two in one drop. <laughs> what? Yeah, I oh I had yeah. year, year one. I had I had Pope RNG in year one. Uh, like I had, like I still in my vault. I have every vault of glass weapon, including Praetorian foil. I have uh, every Jeez. vault of glass armor piece for each character, and same. In f- the same goes for Crota and uh, Trials. So I still have. I got. I got a lot of stuff. Jeez. Which is why my vault is like always full, at all times. I still have my Cavo stuff. 
<laughs> and I have three strangers rifles for some reason. Nice. <laughs> I have something like 75 clears of the Vault of Glass and one Fatebringer to show for it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, it, one. it got to the point, because uh, before the uh, Bungie added the stuff in the API to for like the things like DIM and Tower Ghost and things like that, and you had to go to the tower and exchange everything, I got sick of that. And so my goal for like a month was to get one of everything on every character. So like every character had a Vault of... <laughs> uh, had a, um, Fatebringer, a Praetith's Revenge, an Icebreaker, a Gallowhorn, a Vision of Confluence. <laughs> it's like I had one of everything on each character. There you go, Internet. Bring the hate all week long. <laughs> it, was, right. it was good. It was fun. It was Handsome Dragon on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, not, not the ghost story. It, it, no. it took Add a long time to get the Gallowhorn, though. I didn't get that until almost House of Wolves. Oh, man. I'm, I'm looking at my uh, Praetorian foil and my Fatebringer right now. Yeah, yeah. Hey boys. So <laughs> I had found verdicts every single time I ran vault. Found verdict. Found verdict. Yeah, found I got verdict, a ton of verdict. And it was it was, was Praetis for for me. Praetis revenge. Yeah, so same I got here. Over yeah, and over and over again. That sniper. Mm-hmm. It was so good. I love that sniper. Yep. Yeah. But those are all uh, legendaries. So yeah, <laughs> who cares about those? <laughs> all right. So. Technically the primaries manuf- with elemental. <laughs> I can't forget. You don't forget that. Don't well, forget here let's first. let's bring this back around to Fatebringer. There we yeah. go. <clears throat> okay, so uh, it says the manufacturer here is Banshee Forty Four. He says he did all the design himself, and yet, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is a gun, a Year One hand cannon, called the Hard Luck Mark Fifty Two. It has the same coloring and Ace of Spades design that Ace of Spades has. Uh, which leads me to think that maybe Banshee didn't do all the design himself. Or maybe he created Hard Luck 52. He may have. Uh, he just, he's just not telling us. He just copied it. He just, he was given this. He's copying his own work. Yeah, he was maybe. given this project from Cade, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll work on this custom piece. And he just goes in his folder and pulls out this <laughs> old, <laughs> old design. Here you go. <laughs> uh, the perk name, Maverick. Uh, is most likely a reference to Brett Maverick, who's a uh, TV and film character, probably most notably played by Mel Gibson in the movie Maverick. It's a good one. Uh, and at the very end of the the movie, in that sort of pinnacle card game, uh, he wins with the Ace of Spades. Uh, oh, man. and he he calls it without spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers for movie that <laughs> twenty years old. Yeah, <laughs> back when Mel Gibson was still kind of sane. Yeah. Uh, Dorothy did go back home. <laughs> what? <Sorry>. Oh, <laughs> Rosebud so is a sled. You're, you're saying it's not a reference to the character Maverick, played by Tom Cruise, in the movie Top Gun. Did he have an ace of spades in his helmet? I don't know. I don't think so. Though. No, but there was a guy named Joker. <laughs> True. I think it's a reference to the Maverick Hunters from Mega Man X. Oh, snap. Clearly. <laughs> no, I didn't even consider the Tom Cruise character. Hmm. I don't think. It makes more sense. The, the, the one that you the said. The Riverboat uh, Gambler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the I mean. Was, was... Who wins a card game with an ace of spades? Mm-hmm. Then again, Maverick in Top Gun did gamble with his life. Ooh. <laughs> <sighs> so I, when when that that movie came out, I was like nine or ten, and I remember for like the next like month, 
like my my brothers would play poker and I would try to do that. Like I just like you know get that one card and I throw it over dramatically and hoping it was the ace of spades. It never worked. <laughs> I swear, when you started telling that story, I thought you were going to say you wanted to be a fighter pilot and you just ran around with your arms out to the side. <laughs> That's all the exactly time. what I thought you were going to say too. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I'm looking. Nah, it doesn't look like he has an ace of spades in his helmet, but there's no good pictures of his helmet. It just says Maverick in funny letters on it. All right, I'm over it. Uh, yep. Thank you. Ace of spades, same finger twirl animation that the last word and the first curse do, which we have not talked about. Spoilers for what we're going to talk about in 10 minutes. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> oh, ruin it. Uh, interestingly, in Cade's organizational system, spades represent hake, and this gun is definitely not a hake firearm. Uh, it is nearly identical to Tex Mechanica's style of gun, but there's no actual confirmation because it has no designation because they want us to believe that Banshee created it. And then to bring it all the way back around to Fatebringer, Ace of Spades has the exact same base stats as Fatebringer does. Like, uh, like exact same. Exact not, same. Not similar like AS Luna. Exact same. <laughs> exact same. They both have Firefly. Uh, Ace of Spades has Maverick. Fatebringer has Outlaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ace will cost you an exotic slot, but also has Third Eye. Uh, if you use the Reinforced Barrel perk, it can hit max range for a hand cannon. Uh or you can give it ridiculous stability with perfect balance. Ace of Spades is a fantastic hand cannon. Uh, and then as a fun fact, there's a club in Sacramento, California called the Ace of Spades. Uh, on February 16th, 2014, a band called Escape the Fate played there, which is maybe a sign to <laughs> let go of Fatebringer and start using Ace of Spades. Oh, <laughs> It doesn't have Oracle Disruptor. I've still got to use Fatebringer in Vault yeah. OS. That is true. It's a fun gun. I, I used it a lot when I first got it. It feels really good. Uh, I have an Imago Loop that's nearly the exact same role as Fatebringer, so I don't use Ace of Spades that often now because uh, my exotic slot's almost always taken up by a sword. But it's an awesome gun for, like, uh, if you go into Court of Oryx, and you're not going to use an exotic sword, man, rock ace of spades. It's so good for that kind of close quarters combat. Yeah. All right, three left. Well, one of them has first in its name. All Stay right, away. let's do that first. <laughs> and it's related to the other two, possibly. All right. The first curse is when death becomes an afterthought. Uh, the grimoire reads... People always forget about the other one, the first one. They remember its twin, the last word, because that's an easier story to tell. But it's not the whole story. <laughs> Truth is, there were two of them. Back then, in the lawless days before the city was anything more than a rumor, there are thousands of tales of the fate of the first curse. Which one will you tell? This is classic grimoire writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It just makes you want to shake somebody. Yeah, yeah it makes so, you want to shake the entire building. Yeah, so they reference <laughs> probably the most difficult story to tell <laughs> and then say that this that story is easier to tell than the story of the first curse. 
can't wait for the story of the first curse thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the whole story, and we're still not going to get it. Uh, <laughs> like I said, there are thousands of tales of the fate of the first curse, and yet we've never heard yep, one of yep. them. Give me I'm, I'm fairly certain if that story is worse than the last word story, that like Bungie's forums will just crash. <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to get it. Because this is as close as we're going to get. I agree. I, I think so too. But just we'll imagining see. it is just makes my stomach. I'm kind of cramping up now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the perk is the first curse. Uh, first precision kill of the magazine refills it, granting bonuses to range and stability until the player reloads. Uh, and that's not what it always used to be. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Its second perk is Deadeye, which is a bonus to range, stability, and movement speed when aiming down sights. Uh, I don't know. A Deadeye is a cup of coffee with three shots of espresso in it. That's all I know a Deadeye is. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, let's talk about this miserable quest. Imprecation. The story of the last word and the words that came before. <clears throat> Worth noting, this has nothing to do with the last word. So this step, com- this quest comes in eight parts. Uh, the word imprecation is the name of the gun you also get. Uh, the word imprecation means a spoken curse. It is probably named that way because of what you have to do in this quest. <laughs> uh, at least before the tuning update in December 2015. <clears throat> step one, the right word. Get hand cannon kills with the primary or hand cannon telemetry active. Well, that's not difficult. Nope. <clears throat> uh, speak to Banshee 44. When you speak to him, he says, what do you want? Oh, right. That text mechanic of research? <clears throat> not sure that's wise. I told him, uh, no one listens to the grumblings of an old exo. You come back on arms day. Next Wednesday, Tex will have something for you then. Yeah, and this is the start of this brutal quest. Because <laughs> yes. not only was the you know later parts with the ep- getting kills with the imprecation hard but it was just this do one thing and then wait a week do one thing and then wait a week wait. <laughs> it's just like oh, gosh it's like i get time gating but this was just a little much yeah well and then uh, <clears throat> okay so you wait for text mechanicus next arms day arms day occurs every wednesday la-di-da speak to banshee 44 <clears throat> and he says wait don't tell me that's right Text Mechanica Research. This came for you. Spend some time with it. See how it plays. How it fits you. The answer is terrible. Uh, <laughs> so, this gun, this would grant you the gun imprecation. I didn't put the stats here for it. Uh, I don't even, the pre-buffed stats were horrible. This gun, if you ran out of bullets, it would take to the next arms data to reload this thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it, it wasn't a very yeah. clear quest either, which is what kind of was kind of for us. Let's trust yeah. me. Like it, says, it just says, like on the thing, it says infuse the weapon, and yeah. but it never said what to. And like I remember, because this was back before you had you know one hundred percent infusion, and so yes. I put in a bunch. Of, like I infuse it to you know two twenty, then to two fifty, then to two seventy, and I kept waiting for like something to highlight or tell me that I got it yeah. right. And then it's like, I think I got it to like, oh, like almost, I think it was like 295 before like 
there was this like little node that was checked that I, it was like hard to see if you weren't actually looking for it. It was like, oh, cool. Yeah, unless you <laughs> go into your inventory and look at the gun's nodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then it yeah. says, you know, get kill sprees and go on precision kill spree in the crucible. Well, that makes you think, okay, I have to get seven straight precision kills or seven straight kills in order for this to proc. It was like, no, you just had to get a precision kill in the crucible, but you had to yeah. get seven in one game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Yeah. I went and did the first, the PVE kill spree in siege of the war mind. It just killed all those straw that came out. Mm-hmm. But even that was ridiculously <laughs> more difficult than it needed to be. <laughs> like, even with Thrall running at you in a straight line, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was difficult with this stupid garbage gun <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Luck- luckily, I was able, like, it, the imprecation part didn't, it wasn't terrible for me, just because Warlock was my, uh, and, like, Sunsinger is my main. And so I'm used to, I was used to the throw out the firebolt, get the tag, shoot him with hand cannon. And that's what I've been do- doing with Last Word for over a year. And so I just, you know, just got a little bit more precise and just tried made sure I got that precision shot on that hand cannon kill. And it was wasn't terrible. Like it was frustrating, but it wasn't as bad as a lot of people went with went through. Yeah. And this is again, this is before the gun was buffed. Because uh, originally imprecation only had six rounds mm-hmm. and the spree required seven. And you had so Imprecation had triple tap, so you had to proc triple tap to get those seven. Oh man! Yep. <laughs> Miserable. It was tough. Uh, I did it. I'm. I am not ashamed to say that uh, my fire team and I we went into rumble all with this gun and just hid in a corner and shot each other <laughs> with it. Like it wasn't worth the misery of taking that gun uh, into the crucible. <clears throat> Uh, next step, speak to Banshee44. Uh, and he says, you don't have to say nothing, Guardian. I remember that piece you got there. That's a text Mechanica research prototype. They're trying to reverse engineer the first curse. I'm supposed to tell you they want it back. Want to examine the wear on it. See how you used it. S. Barnes Davis at Tex Mechanica says, he'll have an even better piece for you real soon. And wait another arm's day? <laughs> then you're na- yeah. More waiting, and hope they don't deliver another imprecation back to you. And then the last step, speak to Banshee44 on the next arms day. There you are. What took you so long? It's here. The first curse in all its old glory. Listen, Guardian, you watch yourself with this. You hear? And pre-buff, this was the worst exotic in the game. (laughs) You went through all that to get a horrible gun. Yeah, it gave the uh, Titan exotic a, a run for the money for sure. <laughs> uh, so the foundry here is Tex Mechanica. Uh, it does the same finger twirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, sandbox designer John Wisniewski. Wisniewski. Wisniewski referred to this gun as the spiritual opposite of the last word. So that kind of makes sense uh, with its aiming down sights, perks, and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, last words, the full auto, fast firing, hip fire, and this is the slow rate of fire, high impact, 
aim down the sights. <laughs> yeah. So, and I wrote here, the first curse was generally underwhelming when it first debuted, but received an extensive overhaul in December 2015. Mm -hmm. So, generally underwhelming is being nice. Yeah. This was the worst gun in the game. Uh, it was a high-impact, low-rate-of-fire archetype that had really high aim assist, but then had garbage range. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it had the second-worst stability of any hand cannon in the game. Uh, it had garbage ammo like eight rounds i believe uh and the thirst were third worst reload speed of all legendary hand cannons behind only ill will and zahuli's bane and zahuli's bane takes five years to reload <laughs> uh yeah the gun gun was not good like not even and for everything you had to go through to get it it was just like and, you know, this was coming off what we're going to read in a minute about Thorn, which had another very long and detailed quest. But the gun you got for it was amazing. But not not at first. It, it wasn't really amazing until after that first exotic tune-up that we'll mention. The tune-up, yeah. So, so when they tweaked it in 2015, December, uh, the first purse... First purse, yeah. <laughs> there you go. First purse. Uh... The first curse perk was modified to refill the mag uh, and provide better stability and target acquisition. And the damage falloff, uh, they really tuned the damage falloff down while the perk was active. And they added 25 base range. Mm -hmm. So it really turned this gun around. Yeah, and after the, the uh, last um, the June update, there's a 5% bo uh, boost to hand cannon stability. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of people say that this is a really fun gun to use now. Because the range now is the highest range of all hand cannons, and it almost competes with some scout rifles in the PvP maps. Wow, nice. So as long as you just got this, you have to be patient. You got to kind of know the gun you have and don't try to fire too fast. But heard it's, heard it's a lot of fun right now. Nice. Yeah, because that first curse perk goes away. It used to go away when you reloaded. Mm-hmm. So if you scored a headshot on like your third or fourth to last round, you either yeah, two you get like with it or... <laughs> yeah you get two bullets with the perk, or <laughs> you reload and you lose your perk completely, mm -hmm. uh, which is why they added the magazine refill. Yep, which is pretty nice. Uh, there was also a bug where the perk would go away if you pulled your ghost out, <laughs> uh, and then they boosted imprecation they gave it a base range increase and a magazine size increase <laughs> which makes getting those seven kills much easier but that is the first curse should we go let's, to its let's go to its twin let's go to its spiritual twin the last word <clears throat> here we go the last word yours not mine Renegade Hunter Shin Malfer to Judge and Yor. And uh, should we should we say now that we aren't going to go into the full Dwindler's Ridge yeah, saga? This is right not going to be a six-hour episode. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah just, we're not going to dive into know, Dwindler's that's, Ridge. That is something we we're, we we want to do in the future, but we're not going to do it right now. Rushed in the next hour. <laughs> yeah. So the grimoire for this one, uh, the last word is a romantic weapon, a throwback to simpler times when steady aim and large rounds were enough to dispense justice in the wilds of a lawless frontier. 
Of course, some might say that time has come again. So just a comment in large rounds. Uh, the last word slings a 17 millimeter slug, which is larger than a 50 caliber round. Uh, <laughs> for the record, a 16 gauge shotgun shell is just under 17 millimeters. So <laughs> there you go. Last word, fire shotgun shells for the most part. <laughs> I, I would uh, agree with that. <laughs> uh, last word, perk. Improve stability and target acquisition when firing from the hip. And the hidden perk is fan fire full auto. It's not really hidden. Uh, the perk says fan fire, uh, but it actually allows you to just hold the trigger down and dump them. Like the alternate fire of that Overwatch dude, McCree. <laughs> Uh, note here on fan fire. So fanning is a revolver shooting technique in which one hand holds the trigger and the other just slams on the hammer repeatedly. That turns the cylinder uh, and hits the firing pin in that order, allowing for a, quote, semi-automatic fire of single-action revolvers. This does not work on double-action revolvers, uh, which are designed to require a trigger pull for each shot. It looks really cool, too. It does look really yeah. cool. This, so I mentioned in the last one that you know the, the Red Death was the first exotic I got, but like I bought it from Zur. This the last word was the first exotic that like I earned, quote unquote. You know I got it in uh, Nightfall, and uh, I I fell in love with it immediately. Like it was gorgeous, it was fun to use. It had the awesome twirly twirl on the finger when you reloaded it or pulled it out, pulled it from the hip, and just had a blast. And then it was. You know, I didn't I actually didn't use it in Crucible for a long time, and then once I started using it, I like I still haven't put it down t- today. Like it's still my number one choice. Yeah, it's the guns. Like it, it really made you feel like a space cowboy mm-hmm. when you pulled this thing out. It yeah. was like if you were running Gunslinger Hunter and we were running Last Word, it was mm-hmm. the perfect yeah. little picture and here. The, the day I found out that a uh, firebolt grenade with the uh, the burn and one body shot from Last Word would kill you. Oh, that was a bad day for other guardians. Yeah, I think it's the same <laughs> when you discovered that the last uh, uh, body shot from last word, non ADS, and then a throwing, throwing knife. knife. <laughs> it's just like, and then so if you ran the uh, the knife juggler perk that gives you your knife back when mm-hmm. you get a precision kill with it, it's just like running like hip fire knife, hip fire knife, hip fire knife. Like you, it felt like you were a circus performer from the old west. Yeah. It was awesome. Well, in a even and also the because the last word perk has been has changed to where it used to improve or increase damage yes when firing from the hip and yep. uh, and there was a almost entire year one which i mean this kind of goes to show like how like how much how better they've done year two in like patches and like fixing kind of broken weapons but you're almost the entire year one the last word activated the last word perk even ads so you could yeah you could be zoomed yep. in and then just popping off full auto 110 damage shot headshots head yep and so it was just a like literally i felt like you're getting hit by a machine heavy machine gun right when the and like my buddy my brother would always get so mad because he's like how does this guy have heavy in round oh, oh it's the hand can- it's the last word of course <laughs> like yeah you would be dead before you yeah. even knew it hit you like, boom, like boom. you'd turn a corner and you'd be down <laughs> But, uh, but uh, yeah, so still, still very powerful, but, but definitely not as, it's not the year one meta like it was with Thor when it had 
The last word in Thorn yeah. running the crucible. Last last word in the sniper. Yeah. Because you could you could outgun a shotgun with the last word. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, the perk symbol is the text mechanica logo, which is the the bull skull. <clears throat> Foundry is text mechanica. Uh, the designer is Ryan Demita. Nice. Uh, quick note: there's nothing in the lore that explains how Jaron Ward ended up with this gun in the first place, uh, and there's also nothing in the lore that explains how it made its way to us after Shin hung it up. So I know that it's been stated that everything about the last word has been put out there, like the story is complete, Hmm. but it's not. We don't know how Jaren ended up with it, and we don't know how we got it after Shin uh, killed Drudgeon Yor with it. Who put that out there, if you don't mind? Was that something like that? You know, someone from Bungie or writers have said, or is that just... Yeah, it was the the guy who wrote The Dwindler's Ridge. I forget his name on the top of my head. Uh, Jonathan Goff. Goff. Yeah. He said that everything that you need to know about that story is already in the text we've been given. Hmm. Interesting. So I'll dig up that tweet if I can find it. So I believe the next hint was to check the timestamps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it still doesn't explain how he got it. Yeah, that, there's <laughs> or, still or how we got there's it. There's lots of stuff I want to know. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is one of the most notorious PvP firearms of all time, uh, and it's been beastly since its introduction, and continues to be so. I feel like the meta always comes back to the last word. <laughs> there's always like a week where everyone's like, "Screw you, Bungie! You ruined the last word." But then it's like a week later, everyone's using last word. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I have here that technically it's smaller than Thorn, uh, but it's a ridiculously huge gun. It is 486 millimeters long, uh, which is 19 inches or 1.6 feet. Uh, <laughs> and it, deliver- <laughs> it delivers uh, a 17 millimeter round. Uh, it doesn't use any kind of space magic, so the thing must weigh a damn ton. Uh, like other Tex Mechanica revolvers, or at least like the ones that we know of, uh, it uses a bottom cylinder design. Uh, and this was made famous by the Mateba Auto Revolver, and more in more recent history, the uh, Chiapa Rhino. Uh, although neither of those have prominent hammers or cocking levers, unlike the last word, uh, which makes high use of that. Uh, if you recognize the name Mateba, because if you ever watch Ghost in the Shell, it was Togus's preferred uh, weapon. And then in the original Ghost in the Shell movie, the Major chews him out about using it because it doesn't have enough stopping power. Uh, but if you watch any of the uh, subsequent movies or if you watch Standalone Complex, uh, first or second gig, he always carries his Mateba with him. Yeah, part of the part of the reason that uh, guns went to that or tried to go to that lower... Uh, position of the barrel was to put it more in line with the arm to reduce the upward recoil that a, that a hand a handgun would have so let's push it more back so when you shoot your arm would kind of go back instead of up and uh but it's not apparent with the last word because it has a pretty decent little up recoil on it so. yeah so another gun that features that bottom cylinder design and i'm going to bring it up just because of the similarities a little bit is uh 
If you ever watch Trigun, Vash the Stampede's AGL Arms 45 Long Colt uh, is a bottom cylinder design. Uh, and I mention it because Trigun is a pretty famous sort of like sci-fi western. Uh, and the gun smoke setting there is is interestingly comparative to the post-collapse frontier as it's described with Destiny. Sort of like the, the end of a high technology uh, and society is reverted more to sort of a, a western frontierish feel. Uh, and in Trigun, Vash's twin brother has a twin gun, similar to how the last word and the first curse, uh, Millions Knives has a very similar gun. Uh, Millions is black and Vash's is silver. So, could have inspiration could have been drawn there, uh, or from the Mateba, or from the Chiapa Rhino. If you look up the Chiapa Rhino uh, 60, like a 60DS, it looks a lot like the last word does, uh, with the exception of the, the smaller uh, hammer or cocking lever. Uh, the last word has a unique weapon draw animation, the finger twirl. It was the first gun to have it, and it was a really big deal. <laughs> uh, is it, the last word continues to remain one of Destiny's most controversial weapons. Uh, <laughs> uh, it has lasted through numerous nerfs. Uh, it got a... In July... 2015 it got a range stat reduction and a stability reduction uh, it got a a range reduction a further range reduction when aiming down sights uh, it just got a whole bunch of nerfs mm -hmm. uh, and then a bunch of fixes and then hand cannons got buffed and then nerfed again and then buffed again and but this gun never left uh, and then I have your the Thorn and the Last Word have become so notorious in the Crucible that they were written into the meta canon of the game. <laughs> so if you're doing the mountaintop, which I believe everybody is currently doing. <laughs> uh, or they will as of July 7th. <laughs> yeah, or they will when it's official that it's a, a Mona Triumph. <clears throat> the new monarchy skirmisher part of that says, there's something so personal about small-scale battles. In skirmish... It's in skirmish that rivalries become battles of thorns and last words. Lord Shacks. And then the... I just put here, the Destiny subreddit uses TLW instead of TLDR, which is too long, didn't read. They just use the last word. <laughs> uh, so yeah, not we're not talking about Dwindler's Ridge, but man, this gun has a life of its own. Yep. And I'm, I'm glad that they've found ways to keep bringing it along. Um, it's just such a fun gun to use. Um, like it definitely needed little tweaks, bringing down range, taking, making sure that the perk doesn't proc while you're ADS, um, even taking away the damage bonus with the perk. Um, yeah. but like it's right now, even right now, it's in a really good spot. It's still a lot of fun to use. So it's. I'm glad they keep bringing it yeah. along. People, I think people went crazy when it got confirmed for year two. Oh, yeah. L both a lot of good crazy and then a lot of people probably <clears throat> yes. scream pulling their hair out. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That only leaves one gun left. Yep. Oh, so uh, it's that one. So next week? It's, it's that time. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to give it its own episode. 
Let's do it. Let's Read jam. It. We're we're take it on. We're running a long episode here, but let's, let's jam it in here. Let's jam this one in here at the end. <laughs> Thorn. Uh, <clears throat> to rend one enemies is to see them not as equals, but objects, hollow of spirit and meaning. Thirteenth understanding, seventh book of sorrow. Grimoire reads. Augmented through dark practices, Thorn was once a hero's weapon. Its jagged frame hints at a sinister truth, a powerful connection to the unutterable sorceries of the Hive. The legend of Thorn is bound to the rise and fall of the Dredgenior, a guardian whose name is remembered with disgust and shame. The weapon was thought destroyed, but rumors of its existence still haunt the wilds. Uh, okay, let's unpack some of that real quick. The Seventh Book of Sorrow does not exist as far as we know. <laughs> it exists uh, the in books lore. Of sor- <laughs> the Books of Sorrow stop at five. So there's an entire sixth book, and then there's this seventh book. Yeah. Although for what we know, the seventh book could just be a collection of quote-unquote understandings, and this yeah. is the thirteenth of them. Yeah. I get, the way I looked at that is just maybe a different way of uh, just putting the the format and you know could it that could be just 7 13 you know chapter 7 verse 13 type of no that's true too right, don't buy ask, a different translator yeah we'll ask we'll ask seth about it true there you go <laughs> yeah so hopefully hopefully seth's got a book six and book seven in the works in the future that'd be awesome <laughs> i hope so yeah and then we just have augmented which is just to to make something greater by adding to it or to increase you know, so but augmented through dark practices. Thorn was once a hero's weapon. And who was this hero? I think that's a question everybody wants to answer. A noble man. <laughs> Which one? The man with the secret fear. <laughs> <laughs> Whose name is redacted from the ghosts. That's and, right. Uh, whatever. Yep. Transcript. Yeah, and that's you know because of the redaction that the uh, the legend of Thorn is bound by the rise and fall of Dredgenior and not the hero. Yes. So if if you're listening and are kind of lost at some of these references we're making, um, you need to go ahead and read through the last word in Thorn cards. Don't huff at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling people where they can find yeah. this information that we're not going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, like this is the grimoire entry for Thorn, but there's a bunch of ghost fragments around right. Thorn mm-hmm. too, and the same with the last word. There's a bunch of ghost fragments right. around the last word. Four of that, each, right? Yeah, that roll out the story of Dwindler's Ridge and the showdown between uh, Ward uh, and Yor, and the whole sort of space western story behind thor and the last yeah. word and why they're they're so opposed so yeah head over to uh, ishtarcollective.net and they've got it in what the popular order to read those cards would be in uh no, nothing confirms the order but it makes sense uh, yeah. there's a couple of them that that are questionable but but yeah check them out there and read through and uh then you'll know why and you'll you'll recognize some of the some of the little comments we've we've mm-hmm. made and are probably going to continue to make. Yeah, and it's and it's these stories too that make it's part of what makes these guns so fun to use. It's like knowing the history or the path of the, the journey of the last word is one of the things that makes it what it is. And same for Thorn. Yeah, but well, the Thorn though is the path that we have to go on 
to get it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Let's so talk let's, about uh, it. <laughs> let's talk about that for a minute. Let's do the, the two. I'm going to do the two perks real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark of the Devourer. Mark of the Devourer. Uh, rounds pierce targets and cause lingering damage over time. And then has a hidden perk is that these rounds over penetrate and poison even before the perk is unlocked. Uh, we'll go into the history of that Mark of the Devourer perk and what sort of happened with it. That word Devourer appears, didn't appear a lot in Vanilla Destiny, but it does appear a lot in The Taken King, and it appears a lot in the Books of Sorrow. Uh, the Hive are considered to be devourers of light, uh, tied a lot to the Hive. Uh, Jivu Arath uses the term, Oryx uses the term, the books themselves use the term, uh, it's all over the place. So, that perk name makes a lot of sense. But yeah, let's talk about this quest. Again, this is a year one uh, Vanguard missive bounty, an exotic bounty that you used to get in year one uh, that you need to do in order to get this. And that opening of that quest says, The weapons of sorrow were born from forbidden use of the hive's dark power. We thought them eradicated. So this gun actually appears in the game before Necrochasm does. So this is where we first learn about these Weapons of Sorrow right here on Thorn, uh, right at the very beginning of Year 1. And we're going to see a lot of similarities between this quest and also the quest to create Bad Juju that Toland embarked on, uh, which supports the theory that uh, Bad Juju was an attempt to create a Weapon of Sorrow. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, we thought them eradicated, but... By who and when, we do not know. Mm -hmm. And then it not, and finishes off, you know, but recent yeah. developments suggest one of these weapons may still exist in the Hive's summoning pits. If you were a year two guardian, <laughs> uh, you may not have spent much time in the summoning pits because that's where you used to fight Fogoth. Uh, but that strike didn't make it into year two, so it's very rare these days that you ever yeah. encounter oh. it. Fogoth with Voidburn. Oh. Nightmares. Oh, brutal. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so step one, complete the summoning pits strike on the moon. In year one, that was easy enough because it was one of the only strikes we could do. Uh, step two, depleted hand cannon. <clears throat> Earn 500 points by killing hive enemies on the moon. The flavor text for this reads, The weapon seems dead, but hungry. The lingering energies of the hive you have defeated seep into the weapon. Perhaps it can be further empowered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is interesting because it's very similar to the, the, the necrochasm when you're, or even when you have the husk of the pit and it's hungry is part of what the description is and you have to feed it by killing hive. So that's kind yep. of an, an interesting critical first step, it seems. So once you get that done, it moves on to step three, which is depleted hand cannon. Uh, use void damage to defeat guardians in the crucible. Death will slow your progress. Yeah. This was like the most notorious step of any quest ever mm -hmm. in year one. Yes. In, uh, in year two, it's I'm stuck on my sword quest because I don't want to spend two hours farming materials. In year one, it was I'm stuck on my thorn quest because I can't go positive <laughs> can't go positive so the flavor text for this reads the hand cannon seethes with the dark energy of the hive you've defeated it seems 
eager for more power. Go to the Crucible and allow the weapon to feast off the light of defeated guardians. Uh, man, this quest was brutal. This quest is why I created a warlock. Uh, mm -hmm. Because in year one, there was no Void Hunter. <coughs> So, and if you didn't have like an Atheon's epilogue or a Word of Crota, Word of Crota, there was you didn't have a Void Primary to work with, uh, and you either had to have a good Void shotgun or a good Void fusion rifle and Void rockets or a Void heavy machine gun. Like, yeah, I but my loadout was Atheon's Atheon epilogue, Praetor's Revenge, and I had a Void Swarm, and then and then I was Void Walker. So. Epilogue. Wizard 77, and, I don't know, some crap machine gun or <laughs> rocket launcher. I don't even remember. Yeah, I had a full auto The Crash shotgun. Nice. Uh, and then I had a Jolter's Hammer that was void. Nice. Yeah, mine was uh, Word of Crota. I had a Void Comedian. And I think... Ha <laughs> ha. I can't remember what heavy was. Yeah. You just reminded <laughs> me, I had the, uh, the heavy machine gun from Vault of Glass. Oh, oh yes, thank you, thank that you. Correct a measure. measure that had to have been a measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. That that was the and last was, weapon I got from Alta Class, and I was a Voidwalker main. So, uh, my opinion of this whole thing, though, was not that it was specifically hard to do. It was just tedious, and it caused me to play in a way that just didn't help my team in the Crucible. Yeah, mm -hmm. that I just one wanted to go things. and like just find a a, a safe little corner. And when one person wandered over to me, I would go and take them out, and then I would go back and just be super conservative. And I would have a positive spread, but I wasn't really helping my team. Like, they would all be bad because they were essentially going five on six for most of the match. <laughs> See, that's a that's a hard thing to, for people to control, for people to do, is to, to play that really safe game. So, it, it to me, that made it a hard quest for most people that don't yeah. have your, your self-control there, Gavel. But... Um, but no, I mean, I just felt bad while I was doing it. I was like, my team is losing. Yeah. Yeah. I camped I, a, I camped a at twilight gap. <laughs> I can, I can see that. But at the same time, you know, I don't, I, I felt, man, when I got the thorn, I felt like I accomplished something. That's the, mm -hmm. that's the one gun that I can say that, you know, I feel like was, was truly earned. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And yep. there's people that are sitting there listening right now going, oh, it was so easy to get. Man, not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Not for most people. There's people that, I know people that gave up on that quest a lot. Yeah, we they had people in our clan that it. struggled. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, yes, they yeah. did. So, but yeah, it was it was worth it. And, and I'm, I, you know, off kind of off track, but, you know, I hope that they make the whole Gallahorn quest thing like that. Mm -hmm. To where when you get done, it just feels like, oh man, this is my gun. I earned it. It was not an easy task, and it's you mm -hmm. know just that feeling of accomplishment because you don't get that as much anymore. It, it you know, I know how I know why they've they've changed the game up, uh, but not much of the stuff I'm doing in Destiny anymore gives me that. Oh, oh my gosh, that was so hard to to finish, but we did it, and oh my, I just feel so so good about it. Mm -hmm. no, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, this was a. Like I said, I made I made a Void Walker just to do this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I dismantled mine on my Titan because doing it with a Defender was not fun. So I was like, I'll wait till I get one on my Void Walker. 
and this is what you needed 500 points on this and a kill was worth five and a death was worth <laughs> minus two yeah. so it wasn't like you'd go into one match and get this done no. I mean, I guess you could if you killed a hundred people in a match and never died. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this was yeah, this part of the quest was no joke. Uh, so, so you get that done, and then step four is reveal your corruption, <laughs> obtain an infusion of light from the speaker. Uh, and when you spoke to the speaker, he would just say, "You look unwell, Guardian." Yeah, I feel like someone should have stepped in and been like, eh, since, "Since we're still, we're still." you know baby guardians at this point pretty much and it's like it's like oh maybe you shouldn't continue this quest <laughs> it's yeah what, what I was don't know. I'd, doing? I'd killed atheon and crota by the time i did this yeah. i was not a baby guardian. <laughs> but still it's like Why was it? you know it's still early in destiny or early in our existence as guardians for the most part and it's like okay we're in this middle of this quest and we're revealing our corruption to the speaker and he's telling us we don't look well and <laughs> yeah. it's like oh, thanks ghost and acoro ray for keep pushing us down the rabbit hole well then there's this so the next step is called the archivist and it says talk to Ikora ray but it's not clear if Ikora ray is the archivist or the person she tells us to kill is the archivist Ikora doesn't strike me as an archivist yeah. but anyway she says uh a memento of our darkest hour uh, in reference to the this uh, corrupted hand cannon that we have. Uh, which is interesting because the darkest hour she was probably referring to Mare Imbrium here. Uh, but then she tells you to go kill Jayor. Sure. Jayor sure. the Unwed. Uh, which is only found in a special level 26 instance okay level 26 that was high at the time uh, <laughs> level 26 instance of the summoning pits uh, and it's only available when this phase of the bounty is active uh, there was no matchmaking so yeah well and that was it was an interesting one because even though it was only 26 uh max like max at the time was light 30 but that level 26 strike was harder than the nightfall level 30 strike or, 20, yes. or 28 yeah. oh yeah yeah that sure. that was such a hard like x-ray the, the people that finished the crucible part fast and will brag that they didn't have any problem they probably struggled on this part more than other other people so <laughs> so that might be the uh <laughs> the and you have to drag it out yeah. too because Jair mm -hmm. would only appear on the last wave of ads at the very end phase of the fight so you have to like keep fogoth alive to get to that third wave. Mm -hmm. So you you literally had to kill everything down yeah, there. Yeah, staying alive in that room without just hiding in the hallways <laughs> wasn't the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Or people you hide in the... Though, is it when you first enter the back left corner where yep, you that's first where, enter? that's where I hid when I got my quest. Yeah. Stay behind the rock. <laughs> yep, behind the yep. rock. And hope you don't get rushed down by knights. <laughs> well, then there's a, even behind that rock, there's like a little ledge where you can almost jump. It's... Like it is, it's like literally behind the wall, and like you just crouch and no one can hit you. Yep. So, I won't say that I soloed that. <laughs> soloed that. Nice. See, there you go. There you go. Get some. Uh, and then, so you return to the speaker after doing that, and he says, "The light shines within you. Use this weapon with care." 
And that's Thorn Unbound. <laughs> so is that like a, you know, a parent telling their kid when they're going to college, it's like, I know there's good in you, be safe, <laughs> make, make wise well, choices? I mean, not to go into it, but like the story of Dredge and Yor is, should be an example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, don't do this. <laughs> and then you go through this whole part of the quest and it's like, sure, why not? Use it with care. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, come on. Uh, so the perk symbol for Mark of the Devourer is unique. Uh, looks a little bit like Oryx to me with the four eyes and the jaw things, but that's just me. Maybe it's Jivor Wrath, who knows? Maybe it's Sarah. Uh, no. Because wizards have a totally different head shape than that. They don't have the mandible things like the knights do. Yeah, but if the face is just the part in the middle with the four eyes and the other parts are other parts of the wizard? Yeah, but the other parts look very much like the those jaw mandible things. Yeah. Anyway, you can take a look at it. Decide for yourself. Let us know. Uh, <clears throat> manufacturer, Dredgen Yor. Uh, designer, Ryan Demita. Again. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff. Uh, and this is one of the coolest looking guns in the game. Like, by far. Like, go look up the concept art for Thorn. What an incredible design <laughs> mm-hmm. on this thing. Oof. Yeah, and then just the, like, the design's cool, and then it sh- literally shoots thorns. Mm-hmm. It's like, shoot, the, shoot, a, shoot a wall, shoot the ground, and it's a giant freaking thorn. Thorns. <laughs> <laughs> And it sounds awesome, yeah. too. Yeah, it does. Infernal. Dark. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah. Uh, Dwindler's Ridge. We're not going to talk about it. Thor is, Thorn is steeped in some pretty deep lore, especially for vanilla Destiny weapon. Uh, we haven't talked about all the exotic quest weapons yet, but we've talked about a couple of them. Uh, we talked about Bad Juju. Uh, but later on, we're going to talk about Super Good Advice, Invective, and Pocket Infinity, and there are similarities that unite a lot of these exotic quests. Uh, as Gabble just says, it fires actual thorns. Those thorns are 21 millimeter, so that's huge. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of a like a a way to even like describe 20. It's like firing a railroad spike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh which makes sense because if those rounds seem huge, it's worth mentioning that Thorn is five hundred and thirty seven millimeters long, which is twenty one inches, which is one point seven feet. It's pretty big. Uh that's good. That's more that's longer than half a yard. Uh so put some notes in here. The Smith & Wesson 500 uh, is often hailed as the most powerful production revolver ever made. It's a 15-inch barrel uh, and fires a 12.7-millimeter round. That is less than half the size uh, than Thorns. Thorns. Uh, that gun, when fully loaded, weighs over 5 pounds. Uh, there's another gun, the 500 line bar is technically larger, but because it exceeds the National Firearms Act, uh, it is considered a destructive device and not a handgun. <laughs> Jeez. 
Uh, the Smith & Wesson XVR, which stands for Extreme Velocity Revolver 460 Magnum, comes with a 14-inch barrel option, which makes the gun 21 inches long, which is the same size as Thorn. Uh, but it requires a bipod or tripod to shoot <laughs> accurately, <laughs> uh, generally speaking. So, meanwhile, our guardians are, like, one-handing this thing. Yeah. Or Peace. stabilizing with two. So, I there's got to be some space magic involved that makes this thing lighter than it seems. but Or us stronger than... Yeah, or we're just crazy strong. Uh which yeah, what's which yeah? Once we get into heavy weapons, it's like our guardians are champion strength <laughs> trainers. Jeez, <laughs> but especially for the lack of recoil that Thorn has to be a gun this size, like that's just that's monstrous. The gun's like the size of a forearm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, right before the Dark Below was released, there was the exotic tuning update. Thorn got a huge huge buff when that happened uh yeah including... it was definitely um at, with all that work it took to get it i remember it being seen as just a huge disappointment mm-hmm. yeah um, that it just wasn't worth it and, and so yeah they definitely definitely brought it up a in lot. a big way <laughs> and that buff gave it uh projectiles briefly highlighted targets on impact uh the Mark of the Devoured uh, poison or light draining effect uh, was upgraded and increased against PvE enemy targets. Uh, reload speed was increased. Magazine size was increased. Ammo inventory was increased. Stability and weapon handling was increased. Uh, that's a huge buff for one gun. Yeah, they just made it better in every way. Yeah. So, and then my notes here is uh, Thorn continues to remain one of Destiny's most controversial weapons and despite not getting a year 2 version it continues to be the bane uh, in non-level enabled PvP despite numerous subsequent nerfs to hand cannons uh, and to itself uh, April 2016 was when they announced that Thorn would not be getting a year 2 version uh, that same announcement they changed the the Mark of the Devourer perk. Uh, so it only did... It did, what, four damage pulses? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think now it only does two, right? I think so. And the uh, the effect on screen is a lot less oh, now. If you ever got hit by the original Year One Thorn, like, your whole screen turns green. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, it is brutal. Uh, and then again in July... Uh, July of 2015, they reduced the base damage of Thorn's Mark of the Devourer, which is cut to one-third. Uh, the DOT then stacked up to five times across multiple projectiles instead of the original hit just being so damaging. Uh, it was a net buff for Thorn's DOT, but reduces the lethality in PvP because a couple of the big things in PvP were like, you could land, what, was it? two headshots and yes. then mark of the devourer would just kill them yep. yeah. yeah two headshots so you just walk away they were gonna die mm-hmm. yeah it felt like in year one there was a lot of uh you know, a lot of people took almost a moral stance of to not use thorn <laughs> but then like, it was <laughs> dang, when you look back at it now it's just silly but like 
Like, I remember I was one of the, like, my brother was Thorn Shotgun, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're a cheap, dirty player. Like, I can't believe you used Thorn. <laughs> Jeez. What is, Did he use Blink as well? <laughs> yes, he did, actually. He, See? So he used Invisible, invi- he was a Blade Dance hunt, Blade Dancer Hunter, so you do Invisibility, Blink, Shotgun, Thorn. So he's like oh, the most man. hated person in the world. He was the meta. <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> but like, looking back now, it's like, I almost, I'm like, I am glad that Thorn was there because it probably let last word exists longer than it probably would have normally because people yeah. were so upset about thorn you know last word was op and deadly but it didn't get as much hate because thorn <laughs> yes well yeah. thorn thorn in a way was that sort of opposite to last word mm-hmm. thorn had insane range and you could just again you get two headshots and walk away whereas the last word was i'm going to empty the whole you mm-hmm. know chamber into you uh, right up close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the other big thing about Thorn was that as those devourer ticks clicked off, you could track somebody that you would hit. I remember multiple times on my Warlock using Thorn to track somebody, and I would know right where to throw a firebolt or an arc bolt grenade because I could see where their health was ticking down. Yep, yep. Like even uh, even Hawkmoon were having the potential to one shot kill someone. Like it, it never got the rage because <laughs> everyone hated Thorn so much. Yeah. Well, well, it it took away, it took away. Like if somebody hit you with Hawkmoon, you know, and they got a luck in the chamber shot, and you were or a a holding aces shot, and you were down to almost nothing, and you quickly duck behind cover, you're safe, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the mechanic. Uh, but with Thorn, man, mm-hmm. you take two, and it doesn't matter where you're hiding, you're you're done. Yep, and it takes, what, 50 or 10 seconds to start regening your health again. So yep. not only are you almost dead, you're almost dead for 12 seconds. Yeah, you're an easy <laughs> you're an easy cleanup mm-hmm. for like a, a fire bolt or a, an arc bolt or anything. Especially with a... Lucky Raspberry with the extended arc bolt damage uh, and distance. Mm-hmm. Nowhere to hide. There was nowhere to hide from Thorn. So it's not quite what it used to be, but I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad I played in year one during like the heyday of Thorn and Last Word because that was a crucible we'll never see again. Yep. Uh, and it was it was fun, but it was crazy. Oh man, it was crazy. It had a Sean Finnegan from a. Fire team chat, IGN, like he always comments. He's like, that meta was the most balanced meta that we've ever had because it was Thorn Last Word. It's like, yeah. if you weren't using those, you weren't going to win. But if you use those, you know, you got the best option available. <laughs> and everyone was using those. So theoretically, it was the most balanced <laughs> it's ever been. And it arguably, like, and this is like a side effect that I don't think took maybe as as much hold as they were hoping was that it pushed people into the lore right if you mm-hmm. wanted to be the best in the crucible you needed thorn and to get thorn you had to go through this quest and sure only one percent of the players are going to pay attention to any of the lore in that quest but even one percent's better than zero yeah uh, so the gun made an impact the gun made people think about you know where it came from uh and really put some backstory there with the hive and it created dwindler's ridge which is probably you know sort of like the most controversial and yelled about and 
even but even then like beloved uh exotic story or a story in the the grimoire before we got huge things like uh the books of sorrow we're yeah, still it was, de- it we're was still the debating first, it um that story was one of the first things that I can remember seeing like posts pop up on Reddit of people being like, have you seen this story? It's only in the grimoire, but it's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it brought a lot of attention, uh, to the, to the lore, I think. And, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's good that it's there. It's good that it's still a mystery too. And that people are still debating it. Yep. Yeah. Maybe one day in year four, we'll get, we'll find Thorn. Year four, year five, who knows? Jivor Wrath and Savathun come back, and the only way to defeat them is to use Thorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, geez, we're. This is going to be a, a ex- exceptionally long episode, but we got through all the exotic primaries. Yeah, we did it. Nice. Did it. Well, Hooray. Well, uh, all the exotic. Like, non non special primaries. primaries. Yeah. So I purposely we've purposely left out uh, the primaries exotics that have the primary care perk, which are special weapons that allow them to be uh, in the primary slot. We'll cover those when we cover special weapons. So if you're looking for universal remote or no land beyond, uh, hate <laughs> or the mythoclast, uh, they'll come next time. I just hate that I feel like I wasted so many other possible drops getting that gun. <laughs> you know, it's not that I don't like the gun. I like the gun. I think it's fun to use. But it's it just, ugh. Man, there's so many. I probably had I probably had 30 of those dropped. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, back in the, when it first came out, it still wasn't that great. But, I, yeah, I remember doing some really, like, you do, like, Arc Burn Omnigul Nightfall. Mm-hmm. And you'd manage to finally beat it, and then you'd get no land beyond. And you're just like, come on. All that for NLB. I guess it's better than a ghost, right? <laughs> ghost couldn't drop, though, in your I know, but like now. <laughs> every, every nightfall, you get a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> but when they added those ghosts, everybody was happy about it. Yeah. Yeah, but then they capped all needed them at ghosts. Like... Right. The cap was too low. Anyway. Anyway, thanks for joining us for uh, Exotics, Exotic Weapons Part 2. That, that covers, like we said, all the primaries. We'll be moving on to Special and then Heavy next. Nice. nice. Uh, and then it's on to Armor. We got... I'll tell you, when you're talking about them, there's a lot of exotics in the game. Uh, Way more than it seems like sometimes. <laughs> great, great stuff. I mean, it's... And... Uh, I want to bring this up real quick, um, not related necessarily to the episode, but, uh, you know, we mentioned our book club thing that we started. We actually got a couple emails from people who wanted to join Slack just for the book club. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. So that's uh, that's a thing, and that's going on. Um, and if you need to get in touch with us, you can email us at destinyghoststories at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at dghoststories. Uh... Yeah, that's that's it. There'll be other stuff in the in the show notes, and man, good stuff. Yeah. Glad to have primaries out of the way. Yeah, and and Indeed. on that note, we've also got a uh, what a little PvP tournament and a raid race. 
Oh yeah, that's right. Coming up in the next couple of weeks. So anybody out there that wants to get on those needs to get into our Slack. Mm-hmm. Yep. A PvP tournament. Can we yep. make it all Thorn only? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm down. But <laughs> it's custom. I'm, I'm not sure that other people. Well, there are rules. <laughs> Thorn versus Vex Mythicless. I got asked to be on a team, not a not a PvP team. Everybody knows I suck at that. But on a raid team, which I also suck at. But yeah. So I'm excited just to. It's a raid. A team. It's a raid race, huh? Yeah. Yep. Do you have a team yet, Gavel? Yep. Oh, he's like, damn it. I guess I'll have to assemble my own. Raid teams assemble. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that. I'm I'm actually on that team with Gavel, and I'm not exactly sure how that team came to be. Well, I'll just say I I, I hope, just got asked, and that's it. I hope you have a a capped sleeper simulant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, we will make up time on the War Priest. Yeah, that's going to be key. Yeah, I'm not... Uh, I don't even know when... Or, I haven't, we haven't even talked about planning yet, but we have <clears throat> one person who's in a completely different time zone that's going to be weird. It's somebody overseas, so... going to be fun scheduling stuff, I guess. <laughs> nice. <laughs> It'll be fun. All Everybody right. should join up, because... We have plenty of room for lots of teams, and the more people we have, the better it'll be. Yeah, absolutely. So by the time people hear this, it'll be past 4th of July? Yes, so happy 4th of July. Yeah, happy... If you're in the U.S. Happy 4th of July. Or I, I mean, hope you had a good 4th of July when yeah. you hear this. And it can be a happy 4th of July outside the U.S. It's just not a holiday. True. Not for the same reason. But just be happy that it's that day. Okay, happy 1st of July tomorrow. Uh, right <laughs> now, actually. Deliver your explosions oh, yeah, I guess responsibly, is. Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. That's it. Primaries are done. We're done. Good cool. Night. We'll see you next time, guys. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Bye.